It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast, city to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Good Thursday morning and welcome into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As you heard the big voice guy say, it is the Ryan Hickey Show right here exclusively on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome in and let's just all take a second here. We have made it. This year, easy to say, safe to say, has been, for the most part, a year from hell. Right, not many positives we're going to look back on in the year of 2020 and say, man, what a great year was for blank. What a great year was for that. Thank God this happened, am I right? We're never going to be saying that. But there is a positive here, and we're going to try to end 2020 on a positive note because we have made it. Barring the world ending in the next few hours here, 2021 will be on the other side, and we will hopefully steer clear and, and never repeat anything as bad as as this past year was. Holy smokes. So we are going to try to end this show in style here, right here on the Worldwide Sports Network, and get you ready for 2021. As a reminder, we always are coming to you live from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios, where there's great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners. Check out Big Italy Pizzeria in person in Medford, Joe's Pizzeria in Bayshore, or online anywhere at BigItalyPizza.com. So I want to try this experiment. We'll do it throughout the show. Like I just said, 2020 has been the year from hell. Essentially, right? Not much good, not much positive. But I do want to try to end this year on a positive note. Really, that's kind of always the goal of this show is to hopefully bring some positivity, whether it's entertainment, whether it's sports talk. Bring something good to the table you come away with that you enjoy, that you like, that you found fascinating. So we're going to try to do that with this year. It's been a weird year, to say the least. It's been a wacky year. It's been a year unlike any other. How about we try to take the positive from this year going forward? So and we'll do the final show of 2020 for the next two hours, at least this way. If there is one thing that you could take from this year going forward in 2021, what would it be? Because there was some, because of our, our life and how it adjusted, there were some things that were different that maybe we tried that we never would have tried in a normal year that you like that maybe carry over to 2021. So I'll ask you that. What would you want to take over? What would you want to carry over from 2020 into 2021, uh, into 2021, I should say, and beyond? You can comment on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, WWSRN underscore radio, or you want to me directly at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. So we'll get, we'll get into that. We've also a lot of other uh, stuff to discuss. We have Jonathan Jones, CBS Sports Network, CBS Sports HQ, CBSSports.com, senior NFL reporter does a great job covering the league. We'll get his thoughts here on a whole bevy of questions, not only about Week 17, but heading into the playoffs as well and get you set um, for the final regular season week in the NFL. Speaking of which, going forward more to the playoffs, I'm very curious to get Jonathan's take on this. Can the Bills take down the Chiefs? Is it possible in the year 2020, with the way the Bills have been playing the last eight games, second half of the year, can they take down the reigning Super Bowl champions? We'll discuss that at 940. We'll also get Jonathan's take at, at 920. Top of the 10 o'clock hour. Tomorrow. Crazy. With the way the schedule has kind of shifted and been delayed. But tomorrow, the college football playoff is here. Alabama, Notre Dame. Clemson, Ohio State. Preview both of those games. Two reasons. I'll tell you right now. Two reasons. 
Well, I think Ohio State can upset Clemson. I'll tell you what that is at 10 o'clock. 10.40. No better way to end the final show of 2020 right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network than Hickey's Pickies. My guy, Rooks, well, his, his full official name, this is no joke, his full official legal birthright name, Preston Rooksbury Carmines. He will be joining us at 1040 to give some of his picks on the final regular season uh, week in the NFL. But speaking of week 17, I do want to start right there, and I do want to start with two teams in the playoff hunt slash going to the playoffs that made some interesting, I thought, quarterback decisions heading into the final week of the regular season. Steelers are deciding to rest Ben Roethlisberger. He's not going to play Sunday against the Browns. They're going to rest him essentially almost as a bye week to get him ready for the playoffs next week. The Dolphins, on the flip side, despite betching Tua last week against the Ravens and having Ryan uh, against the Raiders and having Ryan Fitzpatrick come in, lead three scoring drives, including an improbable scoring drive with 19 seconds left to win the game for the Dolphins. Tua Tungavailoa is going to start for the Dolphins in Buffalo, winning the rent. Essentially, it's a playoff game for Miami this week. One decision I like and I agree with. One I have some questions about and I don't feel confident that the right move is made. We'll start with the one I agree with. And this might be a little surprising, right? Because if you say, all right, Steelers are going to bench Ben Roethlisberger, Dolphins are going to start Tua. Do you agree with one? Do you disagree with one? I feel like the common theme, the common sentiment would be, you know what? I agree with Big Ben getting benched. You know, he's older. He needs some time off, getting ready for the playoffs. And I think Fitzpatrick should be starting for the Dolphins. But I'm honestly flipped. I think Brian Flores and Miami Dolphins are doing the right thing here and starting two against the Bills. Because honestly, so far up to this point, I have loved the way Brian Flores has handled this quarterback dynamic between Tua Tungvaloa, between Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because for me, it's been controversial, right? People have definitely questioned whether it was the timing that Tua started, whether it's benching Tua in the Denver game, benching him in the Raiders game, but it's still starting uh, the first-round pick after that. I think so far up to this point, he has made every right call when it comes to the quarterback, who should play, who should not play. So I'm going to roll with Brian Flores, and I'm going to trust him that he is doing the right thing here. And despite pulling Tua in the second half against the Raiders, when the offense really wasn't getting any juice going here, Ryan Fitzpatrick comes, like I said, three scoring drives, including a game-winning drive with just 19 seconds left as the Raiders um, blow, blow that game. I think Brian Flores is making the right call. And on, after the game, Really, on Sunday morning in reflection, he was asked, "Are you making why, why are you making this decision? He defended his, his sense of it that he said Saturday night that Tua is going to start Sunday against the Bills. I mean, I think Tua's played well. Um, I think he's made a lot of improvement over the course of the season. Um, I think he's developing. Uh, you know, we don't, or I don't, you know, make judgments and decisions based off of, uh, you know, one instance. There's a lot that goes into the, to, to the decisions we make, uh, conversations. Um, and not just, you know, one game or one quarter. So here Brian Flores said, basically, I'm not going to have one half, one quarter, one game make my decision going forward. And I think he's totally right. This, this is a playoff game. You have to have your, your best guy out there. You have to take everything into account. So many times, especially in today's society, especially because of Twitter, but social media in general, right? it is an instant reaction society. We watch the games. We're all watching them together. We all have the ability to comment live as the games are going on. So guess what? Things in real time, the things that we remember last, usually are the prevailing thought going forward. Wow, Tua really stunk in the fourth quarter against the Raiders. So guess what? That must mean in my head, Tua stinks. He can't play the next game. Put Ryan Fitzpatrick in. 
Because just what I saw last doesn't mean that that's the whole story. Because this year, let's not forget, Tua, this year as a starter, 6-2 and two on the year, 10 touchdown passes, 2 interceptions. So sure, he's had his own issues and his own faults. But the whole body of work that he's been the starting quarterback, the Dolphins have won. He's given them, he's been the reason why they've won. And more importantly, he's been the reason more times than not than the reason why they haven't lost. For Ryan Fitzpatrick, unfortunately, without his career, you can't say the same. Now, I understand that this example I was about to bring up is five years old. But the last time Ryan Fitzpatrick was on a team, and it was the New York Jets, when it was a win and in situation like it is in Miami this week, the Dolphins win there in the playoffs. The last time Ryan Fitzpatrick, week 17, win the game, you're in the playoffs. He's a member of the Jets. They were in Buffalo to play the Bills. Same exact layout as this week. And what happened? 2015, he threw three interceptions. The Jets lost to the Bills 22-17. They missed out on the playoffs. So look, it's five years ago. A lot has happened. I understand that. But that's who Ryan Fitzpatrick is. He's a guy with a lot of highs. And the highs are high, just like last week in the second half against the Raiders. He makes some improbable throws. He'll give the team a spark. But also, at the same time, let's not you know, forget the reason why he was benched. Let's not forget the reason why he, he's been a journeyman quarterback his entire career. He has been reckless and aggressive with the ball at times, and he has been the reason why teams have lost. He has. So, yes, Tua this year at times has looked shaky, especially, like I said, in the Broncos game and last week against the Raiders game. Not reading the defenses, a little gun-shy, a little slow in pulling the trigger, taking too many checkdowns, and almost sometimes being too risk-averse, right? Instead of trying to push the ball down the field, he'll just take the checkdown. He'll take the safe three-yard completion when there was a shot to throw the ball deep and have a chance to make a big play. And we saw when Ryan Fitzpatrick came in, the spark that he gave an offense. But let's also not forget, this is to his team going forward. This entire team is extremely young. This is not a Super Bowl or bust season for the Miami Dolphins. This is growth. So sure, making the playoffs is extremely important. It would be a huge step for this team going forward. It would be a great experience. But speaking of that experience, don't you want your franchise future quarterback to also be a part of that experience? Let Tua learn either what it takes to win these games or let him learn the difference of playoff football early on while this rest of the team is young. Let him take that experience going forward. Let him take that learning curve, good or bad, bring it to next season and, and beyond. And worst case scenario, Flores has done it you know, once before, twice before really. Two struggles, you bring in Fitzpatrick. Worst case scenario. So, I agree with the Dolphins starting uh, Tua Valo this week against the Bills. I think it's the right move. Brian Flores has pushed all the right buttons when it comes to quarterbacks um, in 2020. I trust him. I think he's doing the right move here, starting Tua in Buffalo in what is a playoff game for the Dolphins. The one I disagree with, Steelers, to me, are making a big mistake in benching Ben Roethlisberger, and here's why. I understand that because of COVID issues, right, their bye was moved, and essentially they lost their bye because the week of their bye was back in week four, they were preparing for a game, and I believe it was either Wednesday or Thursday, and the game was officially canceled to move. And that was given their bye. So usually players have the full week off. They were preparing for a game for almost half the week before they realized the game was canceled. So they never really had a bye. And now this is going to be, because it happened week four, this Sunday is going to be their 13th consecutive game. So at age 38, coming off a season-ending injury last year, I understand Ben Roethlisberger, he's thrown the ball more than any other quarterback in the league. Now what you want. 
maybe he could definitely use the rest, you know, like I said, and rest up for the playoffs. But to me, when I watch this offense, I don't feel like they're at the point where all the kinks have been worked out. I don't feel they're at the point where, you know what, they really don't have much to work on. Because as we've seen in the last four, five, six weeks, this offense has been stagnant. This offense has struggled. They need every opportunity before the playoffs start to get on the same page, get some momentum going. To their credit, in the second half last week against the Colts, they showed some life. Big Ben, three touchdown passes. They scored 21 points. They won the game, and they, they made some adjustments to win. But with that said, that's, that's not a cure-all. That, that's not all, all of a sudden, all right, everything's going to you know, go well now for this offense. They're still 24th in the league in yards per game. They still can't run the ball at all. Last week against, the, against Colts, 14 rush attempts for a grand total, a grand total of 20 yards. I mean, again, I don't want to oversimplify it. I think if me and you are in the backfield, we can get 20 yards on four, uh, 14 rushing attempts. So they can't run the ball. They're still not really moving the ball overall as an offense. And let's call it for what it is. This offense is extremely, extremely predictable. No better example of this than what Mike Silver, NFL Network reporter, he reported after the game that Big Ben in the second half, a reason why the Steelers all of a sudden came to life in the second half, my three points in the first, or yeah, uh, one touchdown shoots in the first half, three in the second half against the Colts. Well, one of the reasons for that was because all of a sudden Ben Roethlisberger, second half of the game, started calling his own plays. Colts knew what offensive coordinator Randy Feekner in the first half was calling, basically, you know, telegraphing and knew what was coming. So Big Ben said, uh oh, I better start changing things up here, changing things up. And that's why they had success. So this offense is still predictable. This offense still can't run the ball. This offense still really isn't that potent. So I think this is a great opportunity to still try to build some momentum, take that positivity from the second half against the Colts, carry it into this game against the Browns, and if they build some momentum, carry it into the playoffs. Because one half is still not really totally changing my thought process on the Steelers. It's not going to wipe away. One second half is not going to wipe away the last four or five games of bad offense. It's not. So I think that despite, again, despite Big Ben's age, despite this being the 13th consecutive game because their bye was essentially taken away from them, their offense is not at a point where I feel comfortable sitting guys, even if it is just one player in Ben Roethlisberger. I think this is a key opportunity for them to get on the right page, kind of get some momentum going here, and try to get some sort of positivity on offense heading into the playoffs. So I think it's a missed opportunity. So I disagree with the Steelers setting Big Ben. I agree with the Dolphins starting to a tongue of a low. So I'm curious your thoughts. Again, Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook. Comment on the live stream. Do you agree with the Dolphins starting to? Or do you agree with, with the Steelers setting Big Ben? Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. At Ryan Hickey Show. Also on Twitter, you want to tweet me or, or write on the Periscope live feed as well. We'll get your thoughts throughout the entire show here. Again, do you agree with the Dolphins starting to? Is this a mistake? Was this smart by the Steelers to sit Big Ben at 38, get him healthy for the playoffs, or is this a missed opportunity to get the offense back on track? So get your thoughts. And when we come back, we'll get Jonathan Jones' thoughts. CBS Sports HQ, CBS Sports Network, CBS.com, CBSSports.com, I should say. Senior NFL Porter does a great job covering the league. We'll get his thoughts on the Dolphins if they are making the right call. And also, can the Chiefs beat, or can the Bills, I should say, beat the Steelers? Can they beat the Chiefs? We'll get all that and next. It is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Ryan Hickey Show with you here for another hour and a half till 11 a.m. Eastern, closing out 2020, hopefully. And time we'll do that with some great information from our next guest from CBSSports.com, CBS Sports Network, CBS Sports HQ, all over the CBS Sports platform. It is senior NFL writer Jonathan Jones. You can follow him and get all his great information on Twitter at jjones9. That is just the, uh, the letter J, Jones number nine. Jonathan, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes here and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, man. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes here. So, Jonathan, we started the show today talking about Two interesting quarterback decisions heading into Week 17. Steelers sitting Big Ben, Dolphins starting Tua. Do you have any disagreement or, or any issue with the Dolphins after benching Tua last week, going to Ryan Fitzpatrick, starting him again this week, and essentially is a playoff game for the Dolphins? You know, listen, Brian Flores has pushed all the right buttons, and so far be it from me to say, hey, this is the right call or the wrong call. I'm going to go with whatever he has decided he uh, he knew that Fitzpatrick was their best option to start the season. And then when Fitz was playing pretty well uh, at that bye week, he uh, pulled the trigger and, and put Tua in there. And he goes 3-0, and but then he struggles against Denver, and Flores benches Tua. And I think a lot of coaches before that would have said, hey, the young kid needs to learn, and uh, we might lose this game, but this is going to be a good learning experience. No, he benched him, and they almost came back. They got down into the red zone against the Broncos to, uh, to tie it. But then he gave the reins back to Tua. And then, you know, again, what just happened with the Raiders? And I think on, on that other pregame show last Sunday, I called him the marionettist because he is pulling the strings in, in such a perfect way. So, uh, you know, what? if Brian Flores thinks this is what's best for his team, I think that he has earned the benefit of the doubt. As you know, I like that. Marionettist, that is the perfect way to describe him because he's, like you said, he's towed the line perfectly because – Especially going to two different, two different quarterbacks, it's almost tough to kind of keep the team focused because, like, like you said, we've seen really not many teams be able to balance the quarterback dynamic when there's two guys that are both playing well at some points and struggling at other points to not lose the team, especially now when you're in a playoff race. Uh, is there, have you, at least in your reporting, heard any, any Dolphins players or any rumblings at all of not, not Flores losing the team, but I guess any questions over how the quarterback dynamic has been handled in Miami? Or is this, like I said, so far he's, he's doing it perfectly and there's really no uh, disagreements? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with the results. Again, you know, Fitz came in there against Denver, gave them an immediate boost, and, uh, and they were in a position to tie that game where, you know, the first three quarters or so of the contest, they had no chance of winning. Uh, Tua comes in there, you know, at, at, after the bye week, and they were 3-0. and And then, you know, you give it back to two after the Broncos game. All those things. So, you know, the results kind of speak for themselves. So the, what, what just happened with the Raiders and how, you know, his head was turned around like Linda Blair and the Exorcist, and he still completes <laughs> that pass. And so um, it, it, it's uh, the guys just care about winning. And, and right now that's what the Dolphins are doing. So whatever it takes, whatever strange computations that Brian Flores is doing in his head, it's working out so no one can complain. I want to stick with that game, Jonathan, because on their side, speaking of quarterbacks, Josh Allen, especially the second half of the year, he's been incredible. So I'm curious your thoughts. In, in watching and your reporting, even like the, through the first half of this year, he has, he has struggled. He sh- he's shown some indecisiveness, making some bad decisions, turned the ball over at some inopportune times. But these last seven, eight games, Josh Allen has really 
turned and elevated his play from a guy, you know, at times maybe preventing the Bills from winning to now. I mean, he's looking like he could possibly lead this team to the Super Bowl. And watching Josh Allen, his development, especially the second half of this year, is there one thing that you kind of noticed that's different that's leading to this elevated play where he is playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Well, I mean, it's obviously the accuracy, right? And, and you're not supposed to go from 58% to 68% in one year. You're really not even supposed to do that over the course of a couple of years. And I've always kind of believed that quarterback, there are a couple of things that are, are true uh, forever and ever. And of course there are outliers. And one is quarterback accuracy. If you're an inaccurate quarterback in college, you're probably going to be inaccurate in the NFL. If you turn the ball over a lot in college, if you don't value the football, uh, Jameis Winston, uh, <laughs> you're not going to value the football in the NFL. Receivers, if you drop a lot of passes in college, you're going to drop a lot in the NFL. You don't really figure these things out. But, um, you know, Josh Allen has been the, uh, one of the outliers here. And Brian Dable has really uh, unlocked a lot of his potential. Ken Dorsey, the quarterback's coach, former University of Miami quarterback we all remember and so uh, they have been able to to get Josh Allen with that big arm to take more uh, calculated shots um, you know it hasn't even been simplifying the playbook it hasn't been hey let's just get a horizontal passing attack to increase this completion percentage you know he just he worked on his mechanics this offseason uh, you know it's year three and you would hope that he would make a step uh, it was just a gigantic leap that he made and you know, you talk about his stats from this season. You know, the first four-ish weeks of the year, he was a top-five MVP candidate. And then he fell off a little bit. You mentioned the turnovers. And then, uh, you're right, really, if you take out that Hell Murray, what has he won, the, the last seven games or something like that? Um, so he has been really incredible outside of that one little dip. And, again, he's in year three, and he wasn't that good of a quarterback the first two years. I was not a big Josh Allen believer. Um, but what he has done this year – it's impossible not to believe in Josh Allen. Uh, the, the, his, his gigantic improvement, you would have to believe. Uh, is, it, is it fluky in that he won't be able to keep this level for years to come? Potentially. But I think that he has taken such a gigantic leap that he is now going to be on a level that I did not think was necessarily possible for him, and that is sustainable. Whether or not he is a top three MVP candidate in week 17 of the next five years – I'm not sure, but the Bills can feel very, very, very good about extending him this offseason. It's a great point. Talking to Jonathan Jones, CBS Sports senior NFL reporter. I'm with you. I was very slow in the Josh Allen trade, even halfway through the year. It's You watch some of these games, and it's just you see the decision. It's like, man, how can you – I love the way the Bills roster is constructed. How can you feel good about this team being a legitimate contender if, again, in the most important position you have a guy making some – at times, especially in the most important moments, some bad decisions. So with that said, especially you said, he, he has elevated himself to a top three MVP candidate. Um, he has just totally transformed his game. Are you believing enough, at least this year, currently in 2026, that I agree with you going forward? I think it's, you know, if he could keep up this for, you know, five years in a row consistency-wise, we'll see. But at least in, in this year, in 2020, the way the Bills are playing, do they have what it takes in your mind to dethrone the Chiefs and go to the Super Bowl? So... I think that they are the best contenders to do that in the AFC. I don't think, and, and this is no disrespect to the Bills, it's just all the respect to the Chiefs. I don't know who is going to be the Chiefs in the AFC or NFC. They just look like an absolute machine uh, that is sure to repeat in Tampa in early February. And I said that after their Dolphins win where, yeah, the Dolphins could scratch and claw at the end of the game. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes can throw three interceptions and they can still be up by multiple scores in the fourth quarter. Um, 
you know, I look at the Bills and I say, all right, you know, you played the Chiefs earlier in the season. It was after that weird week with the Titans. You gave up 275 rushing yards because you said, we're not going to let Patrick Mahomes beat us in the air, uh, which is fine, well, and dandy. And they almost had the turnover in the fourth quarter that would have given them back the ball with a chance to tie in the fourth quarter. So I say, all right, your plan almost worked, even though the stat looked a little ugly. You almost had it. So maybe they've they've learned a little bit that defense has obviously congealed uh, a lot since then. Josh Allen, that was during his little dip in play. So it's possible. It's not outside of the realm of possibility. And I said on CBS Sports HQ earlier in the week that, um, you know, if, if the Bills and the Packers rolled the ball out there in an, on a neutral field on Sunday, I'm not sure I wouldn't take the Bills in that game. Uh, but all those things said, I just think that Kansas City, among the 32 teams, they are clearly number one. And then there's a gap, and then there's the Bills and the Packers and everyone else. I'm totally with you. Like I said, and I think it's also a product of everyone kind of, you know, we, we build teams up, we build players up, and then we wanted to knock them down. We saw the Patriots for two decades. We were desperately trying to rip their dynasty down. And obviously, especially 2018, they go beat, you know, the MVP of the year, at least that year, Patrick Mahomes. And this year, like I said, we build the Chiefs up, and now we're trying to tear them down with the Bills. But with that said, I'm curious about the Chiefs. It doesn't sound like you're too concerned because they've won seven straight games by one possession. Almost flat out seems like, like they're bored. Is that fair to say about Kansas City, or is there should be there should be some real concern about how many close games they've played against some inferior opponent, uh, opponents? Well, you know, uh, some of them have been inferior, right? You know, they mm -hmm. played a close one with Carolina. They played, obviously, last week a close one with Atlanta. But they also, in those, you know, seven games by however many points, they also traveled to Tampa, to Vegas, to Miami, to New Orleans. Like we're talking about uh, one, like for sure, playoff teams, or in the case of Vegas, right out there on the outside, thanks to their scoring defense. So they went out there. If a, if a team, if any other team, if you said in uh, in November, hey, you're going to go to to those four um, opponents, you're going to go to Vegas, Miami. Tampa and New Orleans, you would say even an above average team, even a great team, you would say, all right, three and one. They'll probably lose somewhere in there. The Chiefs went four and oh. So I don't really care that they won by a field goal. <laughs> they went yeah. through the gauntlet and, and they won. And so, um, you, you know, they're figuring out ways to win, sure. And is Patrick Mahomes putting up 50 touchdowns and two interceptions and throwing for 5,000 yards? No. That's how he has set the bar for himself. And Whenever he doesn't meet those insane goals, we all kind of wonder, hey, how about this? But the fact is they are winning these games. Um, do they look a little bored? Maybe, you know, I don't know. I, but they have, they have the first round by. They're going to be playing at Arrowhead in front of some fans. Uh, I just I have no clue how you stop them. I'm totally with it. I think they're going to the Super Bowl. You said before, I agree. I think they will repeat. Uh, Jonathan Jones, CBS Sports HQ, CBSSports.com, CBS Sports Network, everywhere on the docket, CBS Sports Wise, senior NFL reporter doing a great job covering the league. Um, so I'm with you on the AFC. A lot of agreement there. I'm curious about your thoughts on the NFC. Packers, if they clinch the number one seed this week, if they lock up, get the first round by, get home field advantage at Lambeau Field, is there any team in that conference you can see and imagine going to Lambeau and beating Green Bay? That's a great question. And in fact, it's. <laughs> It's a long story that I'm working on that'll be published uh, Friday morning for CBSSports.com. Taking a perfect, close, what a look. tease! Yeah, <laughs> at uh, at Green Bay's uh, perceived home field advantage, um, it, New Orleans would have a really tough time because Drew Brees and his arm, especially if we're talking about windy, 
cold, snowy conditions, New Orleans is going to have a really hard time. Uh, I could see Seattle uh, just because Russell Wilson does have the arm. They do have the run game. Um, you could maybe see Tampa because of their defense and especially because of what Tampa did to Green Bay earlier in the year where they just they, they embarrassed the Packers. And if there's a blight on Aaron Rodgers' MVP resume this season, it is no doubt that Tampa game, um, even though Aaron Rodgers will be winning his third MVP award uh, in a couple of weeks. So um, those are the two teams I could see beating the Packers in Lambeau. Um, and, and those are real. Those are very, very real. I, it doesn't mean that I believe that Tampa or Seattle are necessarily better teams than Green Bay, but they match up well with them. And we've already seen, again, how Tampa can, uh, <laughs> can take care of Green Bay. So you just said, so you said perceived home field advantage. And maybe this is just me, you know, I'm not an obviously NFL player. I'm not covering the league. I, maybe I'm making too much of this. So you tell me. I, I view Lambeau Field, honestly, as the biggest home field advantage this year because of, of the weather. Like you said, the Saints, Dome team, Tampa, warm. Uh, Cardinals play in the desert in a dome. The Rams obviously play in, in Los Angeles. Anyone really outside of the Seahawks plays in either a dome or, or warm weather location. Am I making too much of the cold to where basically uh, maybe I am propping Lambeau up in the home field advantage because of the weather too much? I don't think that it's not just the cold. It has to be more than the cold. It has okay. to be windy, and the quarterback has to be able to throw through that wind. And so Drew Brees, who we know can barely throw over 25 <laughs> yards, like if it's just cold, I think he's going to be okay. okay. If it's snowing and, it, and it's cold, then you have a very slick field. And then you need a big back, to, like an A.J. Dillon, you need a big back to plant his legs and feet into the ground and be able to handle that slipperiness. You can't have that, that short, shifty, um, you know, slight running back in in those conditions and so it's those things it's and so if you just have your your run-of-the-mill cold day in wisconsin i don't really think that's going to matter with nfl professionals but you start adding in elements to it and then you have a packers team that has lived in it that that practices in it that's when you start to get that home field advantage Okay, that, that's definitely fair. And yeah, I just factored in the cold thinking, all right, this is going to be it. But that's a good point. Wind, snow, then we're really talking some wintry conditions out there in the frozen tundra. Going to give a lot of teams some trouble. Jonathan Jones at J, just the letter J, Jones9 on Twitter. So one team you just mentioned, right, one of the teams that you think could really get the Packers run for their money, Seahawks. Russell Wilson, he's a guy that first seven games of the year, right, we are, we are talking about let Russ cook. We were giving him the MVP, and deservedly so. 26 touchdowns, six interceptions. He, he is phenomenal. He's dynamic. The last eight games, 12 touchdown passes, 11 turnovers. W what's happened between the first half of the year and the second half of the year where we're letting Russ Cook in the first half get an MVP, and all of a sudden now he turns into you know, an average quarterback? Is there one thing that you kind of look at that, that's happened with the Seattle offense, or you have confidence that they'll turn around and come postseason time? Yeah, well, they, they lost their running backs, and they got them back, and they had to rework them into the fold. But, you know <laughs> – there, there's been a little mythologizing about Russell Wilson, and this is a guy that I do not bet against. This is a guy that I completely respect, especially as a, a graduate of the University of North Carolina, uh, <laughs> where when I was there, uh, we, we went 0-3 against Russell Wilson and the NC State Wolfpack. So uh, I say that I've been knowing about Russell Wilson for a very, very long time. Okay, But it, what drove me nuts was at the start of this season, this all this MVP talk about him. And, oh, did you know that he's never had an MVP vote? Oh, well, yes. First of all, <laughs> first of all, you know, you only get one vote for MVP. And so you tell me what year you would have voted for Russell Wilson over insert guy who won the MVP. And there wasn't a year. 
Um, if there were one, two, and three, that'd be di a different story. But then also, every year, Russell Wilson does put himself into the MVP conversation. And then in that same year, he, his play uh, goes down just enough to where you can't rightfully vote for him. It's not that people have overlooked Russell Wilson. It's that he has a stretch of games every single season where he does turn the ball over a little bit. Uh, and they do lose some really head-scratching games. And so you start putting all this together, and then I look at 2020, and I say, oh, yeah, that Russell Wilson, that's exactly what happens almost every single year. Now, he's turned the ball over a little bit more than in previous years in this stretch, but this isn't outside of the norm for Russ. There's a reason he's never had an MVP vote, and I think we're seeing it this year, and I hope when he starts out hot next year that we <laughs> don't do this exact same thing. Is that a is that a Russell Wilson thing? Is that a Pete Carroll thing? Is that just a a Seattle thing? Like like you're right. Every year, physics they just play the, these weird games. They always have weird scores involved. Is, is there just something bigger than maybe just Russell Wilson himself that's kind of leading to like you said every year kind of almost the same story happening with the Seahawks? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, he has he has a lot on his shoulders, and for the first or you know after the the, the Super Bowl runs, he didn't have an offensive line, right? Mm -hmm. And then the Legion of Boom deteriorates, and now it, you know at the start of this season it was the pass defense, and they've gotten to not be the historically worst pass defense in NFL history as the season has gone on. You know, they're just not a perfect team. They're not a dynasty. They're not they're not the Patriots with with Bill Belichick, but they are really good. You don't. <laughs> Uh, as as a um, as a co colleague of mine always says, you don't win a church raffle uh, to to get into the playoffs seven out of eight years or whatever it's been for Seattle. Um, so they are a very good team, but you know we just need to adjust our expectations. Uh, I think at the start of the 2010s, we were looking at them as wow, they're going to be in the NFC Championship game every single year because they were. And now I think that we're starting to see, hey, that defense was historically great. It's not the same anymore. Russ has to put a lot on, on himself, and the Seahawks put a lot on Russ's plate. And more times than not, he's going to deliver. But sometimes they're going to let you down. As far as those, those crazy losses to teams they should never lose to, I don't know what it is. But <laughs> certainly, I mean, you know, you look at the if – you, if you do a season projection of the Seahawks whenever the schedule comes out in April or May, uh, you, you're going to chalk up one loss. You don't know who it's going to be to, but you have to chalk up one of those head-scratching losses uh, that has to be in there. The consistency at least is impressive with, uh, with those losses for yeah. sure. <laughs> Talking to Jonathan Jones, CBS Sports Senior NFL Reporter. So, Jonathan, last question before I let you go. Speaking and sticking in the NFC West, Jared Goff this year, I feel like it's safe to say being the second year in a row where the Rams could miss out on the playoffs and his play especially has been inconsistent at best, I mean, they just signed, obviously, that long-term deal. This is year one uh, of that extension. At what point in your mind do you think there becomes a discussion in Los Angeles that, hey, maybe this isn't the guy that we can rely on. Maybe this isn't our guy to steer us to the future, to another Super Bowl. Is that discussion starting as early this offseason? Do you need to see another year of Jared Goff struggling before you start to question uh, maybe his future and his status as a Ram? Well, I mean, his contract makes it such that there's not going to be anything that they can do this offseason. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the way that the team has been constructed, and they very much believe in, the, in him and in their team construction. I wrote about this um, at CBSSports.com a week or two ago. Uh, it's still 2020, so all this stuff bleeds together, right? But, um, you know, they, they decided a long time ago, 
we're not going to have first round picks anymore. We're going to use first mm-hmm. round picks uh, for our Super Bowl window. We're going to pay our five star players. That's what Les Snead was calling them to me. And so that's Aaron Donald, that's Jalen Ramsey, and that's Jared Goff, the guy that that was two first round picks. Then they gave him more than $20 million per year in average annual value. So, uh, you know, if you make a move on him, eventually that is going to signal a complete, you know, change in, in how you perceive this team. And I do not believe at all that the Rams uh, are ready uh, or believe that they need to make a change. But, you know, because you pay those guys that sort of money, because you don't have first round picks and you, aren't able to bring in the seven-year veteran linebacker or the 10-year veteran safety uh, to play backup roles. And, and, you know, you need your fifth-round safety play in that role. What you wind up doing is um, you don't have any money for backup quarterback. Right. Uh, you can't go – unless you get a Jameis Winston on a New Orleans-type deal, you don't have the money uh, to go out and get Andy Dalton. Uh, and so because of that, that's why they have John Walford. Uh, who's going to be playing uh, a guy who has not, uh, you know, <laughs> approved a single <laughs> NFL stat. Um, but that's just, that's the way it is. Now, could they have a Blake Bortles or something like that? Sure. But the, the, the way the Rams are constructed and a number of teams are constructed that you can throw the Chiefs and the Seahawks in there as well. You know, once you get to this point, if your starter goes out, you, it, it doesn't really matter. Your, your postseason's over. Right. I just want to throw there one thing quickly because, like you said, they, they have given their guys long-term deals, you know, even guys like Todd Gurley, Brennan Cooks. Now, I understand their money is different than Jared Goff's money, but they haven't exactly been shy about getting rid of guys they signed to long-term deals, especially, you know, that quickly. Todd Gurley was, what, I think, what, 15 months after he signed the deal he, he yeah. was cut? They're, so they're still, even, you know, with that history in Los Angeles, still nothing intimate or, you know, close, I, I should say, in your mind that would signal that maybe they would – think about moving on or, or any sort of situation like that? No, I don't think so. And, and for whatever reason or reasons, they really do believe in Jared Goff probably more than what it sounds like you and I believe in yeah. Jared Goff. Um, but, but they do. And I don't think that they are at all at the point where, where they are going to make a move. But you're right. You need, when, when you recognize that there's a mistake that has been made, that you made, uh, it's better to relieve yourself of that mistake as quickly as possible rather than write it out. And I think that's what we saw, for example, in Washington with Dwayne Haskins. Um, yeah. you, know, you, you know, throw your pride out the window. Forget about wherever that person was drafted. If it's not working, it's not working and move on. Very, that's a very, very good point. Jonathan Jones, CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ, CBS Sports Hour. Check out his article on the home field advantage or perceived home field advantage of Lambeau Field. Drop in tomorrow on CBSSports.com. Jonathan Jones, really do appreciate you uh, coming on and giving us a few minutes here. Enjoy the uh, rest of 2020 and Happy New Year one more time. Hey, same to you, man. I appreciate it. The great Jonathan Jones. Again, Jones 9 That is J, just the letter J, Jones, and the number 9 on Twitter. Get us all a great information uh, on Twitter. So Jonathan said something about the Chiefs and the Bills that I want to kind of get into next. Can the Bills take down the Chiefs this year in 2020? We will discuss next. It is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. All right, yeah, now we're jamming right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is Ryan Hickey with you. 
until 11 a.m. Eastern, the final show of 2020. And with that, with the final show of the year, essentially the year from hell, I just tweeted this out. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you could keep one thing from 2020, take it into 2021. I understand there's there's not a lot of positivity from this year. I, I totally get that. If there's one thing you could keep, is there one thing you could carry over? If there's one thing that developed this year, what would it be that you would like to see going forward? I'll tell you what mine is. Space. And here's what I mean by that. And obviously, you know, it stinks that our options were limited. Obviously, not being able to go to sporting events, bars, and restaurants were extremely um, limited in their seating and the capacity. I will say this, though. One thing I won't miss is being in a crowded bar, a packed restaurant, a sold-out stadium. And I would love the atmosphere. Don't get me wrong. But whether it's trying to get a drink, going to the bathroom, get food at a stadium, like the lines. Actually, that's better than space. The lines. I will not miss waiting online. That is for sure. And I understand depending on, you know, where you go and stuff like that, there are lines, you know. If you want to go to the supermarket, there are lines because of social uh, social distancing. But in terms of common place that we like to go out, like to frequent on the weekends to spend our time, that is one thing, honestly, I will not miss. Going to some bars over the summer, you know, it is nice to have space. It's nice to have someone not breathing down your neck or spilling drinks all over you or waiting an hour to try to get a drink. And by the time, you know, you get there, you're sober, you get a drink, and then basically, all right, well, time to go back online because by the time I get another drink, I'll be done with mine. That is something, honestly, I won't miss. So I'm asking you, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter, Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What is one thing that you could take from 2020 and bring it to 2021. We're going to try to end the year on some positivity. That's what, that's what we try to do here on the Worldwide Sports Network, and specifically the Ryan Hickey Show. So we appreciate Jonathan Jones, again, uh, joining us for a few minutes here from CBS Sports Network, CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ, a wonderful and talented NFL uh, reporter. does a lot of great stuff and a lot of great information. So one thing that he said uh, that kind of stood out to you, I want to kind of dive into a little deeper here. And that is, in the AFC, can anybody take down the Chiefs, right? Jonathan just hit on it before. They've played seven straight one-possession games. Now, they won them all. They won them all. But, you know, Carolina, you beat 17-14. You beat the Falcons last week in a game that, not that impressive, but, hey, they won the game. And on the other side, you have Buffalo surging, surging. Winners of eight of nine. They would have won nine consecutive games. It wasn't for that Hail Murray. And in that stretch... In that nine-game stretch, which they're 8-1, and one, they have scored 32.1 points per game. They honestly, arguably, are playing like the best team in all the NFL right now. Seriously. So can they take down the Chiefs? Can they upset the apple cart? Can they take down the reigning Super Bowl champs in Arrowhead and go to the Super Bowl? For me, the answer is not this year. I don't think that's the case. And to Jonathan's point, I agree with him. It's not a disrespect for Buffalo as much as it is a, a respect for the Chiefs. And I am someone personally who, for the most part, especially in the NFL, I got to see things first before I believe it. Here's what I mean by that. A few years ago, especially specifically 2018, and even a little bit in 2019, although I was wrong, but 2018 specifically, people were and fans were really starting to jump on the Chiefs bandwagon and trying to take down the Patriots. Now, to be fair, similar so this year, Patriots, as we know, right, all the success, all these Super Bowl victories, five up to that point, 
But in 2018, they were kind of just humming along, going by, just under the radar, while the Chiefs are surging. The Chiefs are really kind of getting everyone around, because that was Patrick Holmes' first year as a starting quarterback. He's throwing 50 touchdown passes. He wins the MVP. They are high fun. They have the number one seed, so they have home field advantage in the playoffs. Everyone is in love with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm not saying I was a doubt. I'm not saying that I was someone who didn't believe in the Chiefs. That'd be stupid. But here's what I, I, I wanted to see first. You got to beat the champs in order to be the champs. I wasn't ready to claim the Chiefs champs just yet until they actually did it. I wanted to see with my eyes and say, you know what? Before we start crowning Kansas City, before we start giving them the title, let's see them dethrone the champions. Let's see them take out a team that has ruled the AFC for two decades. And guess what? In 2018 specifically, they didn't do that. As we know, Tom Brady goes into Arrowhead. They win the game in overtime, and they go to the Super Bowl, in which they eventually win. The same way I felt like the Patriots in 2018 is the same exact way I feel about the Chiefs in 2020. Humming along, winning games, not sexy, not pretty. Patrick Holmes will finish probably second in the MVP voting. So it's not like he's having a bad year by any sort of standard. But like Jonathan hit on, he's not throwing 50, uh, 50 touchdowns like he did a few years ago. Not breaking records. And honestly, at this point, I just think flat out, I personally think the Chiefs are bored. Similar to the Warriors in their heyday, and that five-year dynasty run, their season starts in the postseason. They realize we have so much talent that, you know what, the regular season obviously is important. Getting to the playoffs is important. But for the most part, we know we're going to make the playoffs. We have enough talent where we just throw our jock shops on the field. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. So... Personally, I think the last few weeks have come at boredom. They're winning every game. They, they have controlled the number one seed. And they're just kind of coasting through. Getting by. But I do believe now, easier said than done, I do believe that come playoff time, they'll flip the switch. They'll be ready to go and they'll be sharp and focused. You know, right now, with the way the Bills are playing, the way the Chiefs are playing, there's a lot of momentum. There's a lot of discussion. Hey, can this Bills team, can they beat the Chiefs? Can they dethrone the champs? And I'm sitting here telling you, similar to 2018, the Patriots, I'm not ready to crown a team the champs when they haven't beat the champs. You got to beat the best to be the best, right? That's all the old cliche that's a saying. Well, that's how I feel about Kansas City. Because when it comes to Buffalo and it comes to the Bills, I, I look like I'm wrong about Josh Allen. Listen to the show, really at any point this year, I am basically the last person on the Josh Allen bandwagon. Now, he's proven me dead wrong these last eight games. He has been impressive. I'm not taking anything away from what he's done. Because there are plenty of times here where I'm like, wow. Wow. His decision-making, his accuracy, his playmaking, it's, un- it's unreal. There is nothing I can say bad about Josh Allen, especially his last eight games. For real. But when it comes to matching up with the Chiefs, when it comes to trying to dethrone Kansas City, I just look at the Bills, and I think they're a little one-dimensional in how they can win, where the Chiefs, to me, they can win in multiple ways. But the perfect example is, let's go back to when these two teams met back in Week 6. Right? Monday night, I believe it was a Monday night game, in the rain, kind of some COVID issues, got the game moved around. Um, It's like a, a windy, rainy day in Buffalo. And what happened? The Chiefs won that game, and they won the game rushing the ball. 245 yards the Kansas City Chiefs ran for over the Buffalo Bills. 245. The Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid wants to air it out. Patrick Holmes throwing 50 touchdowns. 
Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman. Clyde Edwards-Alaire catch the ball to backfield as a threat. But they have all of this receiving talent. But they ran for 245 yards through for 225. They can win the game if they have to run the ball. And they proved that in week six. They can win the game in multiple ways. They're the best closing team in the NFL. You get the ball up with three minutes left, trying to get the ball back, you're not getting it back. They're not, you're, you're not getting it back. We've seen it too many times this year. Teams close the gap, get it to a field goal, get it to a touchdown, get it to a one-possession game. And instead of doing the outside kick with three minutes left, four minutes left, two minutes left, you kick it off and you don't see the ball back. They know how to close. They know how to get first downs. The Bills, when I view them, they're a little one-dimensional. Here's what I mean. They have to win games by throwing the ball through the air. I, I can't picture them lining up, running Zach Moss 20 times, running Devin Singletary 20 times, and playing ball control and keep away from the Chiefs. Now, they have the offense, absolutely, to keep up points-wise with Kansas City. Right? Mahomes could score 30, could score 40, could score 45. Bills could, could do that. They could match that. But if it's a game about keep away, if it's your best defense being keeping Patrick Holmes and the offense of the Chiefs off the field, you've got to be able to run the ball. And that concerns me with Buffalo. They're one-dimensional in the way they can win and beat the Chiefs because their running game leaves a lot to be desired. It does. Whereas the Chiefs, again, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is hurt, so that hurts a little bit. But they have shown they can win games when they just want to run, run the ball. When they want to pound the rock, run it 40 times, they can be successful. So I do think that Buffalo, in terms of the AFC landscape, has the best shot, matches up the best with the Chiefs. But with that said, similar to the Patriots, like I thought in 2018, I feel that same sentiment then is happening now with the Bills and the Chiefs. 2018, people were ready to crown the Chiefs champs, ready to put the MVP in Patrick Holmes, having, having them beat the Patriots. Didn't happen. This year, well, Josh Allen won't be the MVP, and even Patrick Holmes will finish higher than Josh Allen in the MVP race. There are fans, there are folks out there that want to propel the Bills and believe that they can beat the Chiefs. And I just, personally, I don't see it. I don't see it. Too many weapons, great offensive mind in Andy Reid. And I think this team, flat out, honestly, is just bored. So until you, have to, until you beat the champs, you can't beat the champs. Until I see with my own eyes that the Bills actually can beat Kansas City, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not going to pick Buffalo. I'm not going to have confidence. But I'm curious your thoughts because, again, that, that's just me. That, that is how I operate. That's how I kind of view teams. I am slowing the trigger in terms of jumping on the bandwagon of the hot team. I kind of got to – if I know teams are successful, like the Patriots, right, all the success, 2018, again, coming off the back-to-back Super Bowls uh, appearances, they, to me – until you, got it, until you actually beat them, I won't pick anyone to go to the Super Bowl of them. That's how I'm going to face the Chiefs. Until Buffalo can beat them or another team can beat the Chiefs, until they show vulnerabilities, I'm rolling with Kansas City all day long. So if you're curious your thoughts, Facebook Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. Tweet me. Do you think in your mind, can the Bills beat the Chiefs in the playoffs? If so, what is the blueprint? How can the Bills beat the Chiefs in the playoffs? Are you believing in Josh Allen that he, the way he's playing these last nine games, he is enough to go toe-to-toe with Mahomes and win? So again, Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. And we're also taking your thoughts and your comments. 
What is one thing in 2020 that you want to take over to 2021? What is one thing that you said, you know what? Because if we had to adjust our lives with, with this weird year and this unusual year, to say the very least, life patterns and, and different way we can live our lives and go about our lives had to adjust, things have changed. What is one thing you like that has adjusted in 2020 that you would want to take to 2021? Again, Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. So get your thoughts, and when we come back, college football playoff is tomorrow. Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. There's that much preview, I can tell you. There's not much that can be said about the Notre Dame-Bama game. But when it comes to Clemson, Ohio State, two reasons. I think the Buckeyes can pull the upset over the Tigers. I'll tell you why next. It is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. We are back here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. The Ryan Hickey Show is with you. The last show of 2020. Trying to close out this new year. Hopefully in style. Well, I guess it's really not a new year. Trying to close out this old year. This year from hell, if you will. In style on a good note. On a positive note. So in doing so, I'm asking you. 2020 has been anything but normal. A lot of new developments have occurred. And not in, a lot of new ways to live our life have occurred. What's one thing you would take from 2020 and bring into 2021? I'm saying lines or lack of lines. Bar, restaurant, stadium. That is one thing I will never miss. Because obviously, capacity is limited because of COVID restrictions. So what does that mean? Getting a drink, easier than ever. Going to the bathroom, easier than, easier than ever. If you had a stadium, food lines, short. Really no waiting. And that is one thing, honestly, I will not miss. Those bathroom lines, man, oof. I know it's rougher for girls than it is for guys, but, man, it is tough. If those lines are long, oh, boy. Oh, man. Won't miss that. Won't miss fighting through, you know, packed bars, trying to fight my way to try to get a drink. And then by the time you get the drink, you basically got to turn right around because the lines are so long that by the time you finish the drink, all of a sudden now you, you want to try to get back online. It's a disaster. So lack of lines, that's, I'm telling you, that's one thing I will not miss. So I'm asking you, Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. At Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. Jeremy Fallis, my guy, I love Jeremy, writes in, open roads. So similar, right? Uh, lack of lines, for me, he's going open roads. No traffic, which is another great one. No people staying at home, but if you got to go out, if you got to travel, having the open roads is a thing of beauty. For me, I was still working during the pandemic, thankfully. But with that said, I, working and producing in radio, I wasn't really able to work at home that often. I was going in all the time, and for four or five months, I'll say I was driving in, driving into New York City from Long Island. And let me tell you, hour in, hour home. Parking wasn't really a, an issue, and if that is, you know, if you've been in New York City, if you're in the area, you know, um, it's open roads are not not anything, uh, not anything that's a guarantee, and if anything, that's a, that's a rarity outside of really holidays. 
trying to find parking is a, is almost impossible. So open roads are a good one. Mike Basegla. Mike delivers pot on Twitter. If that name sounds familiar, it is. He was a guest picker on Hickey's Pickies. A lot of fun with Mike. He's also a 2020 Apocalypse contestant as well. He writes, probably my son, I guess. Congratulations to Mike. He is a, he's a new father back in uh, September. And so that's nice. He'd carry over his son. Take his son now with him to 2021. I figured it, w- it would be his podcast, Mike Delivers. But, you know, he's going to go family first. He'll take his son into 2021. So, again, I'm asking you. Facebook Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, <clears throat> at Ryan Hickey Show, easy for me to say, on Twitter as well. What is one thing you would take from 2020? With all the negative, all the bad that comes along with this year, but let's turn to a positive. What's one thing you would take into the new year? Joe Silberti, my guy. Fantasy football, not the best, but hey, still a great guy. Writes on Facebook, what is your Super Bowl prediction? Well, Joe, I'm really going to go out on a limb here. I, I'm going to say something that's going to shock a lot of people. People think I'm crazy. People think I'm a hot take artist. I'm telling you how I feel. I am going to predict the Super Bowl right now on, on December 31st, 2020. It's going to be the Chiefs and the Packers. One seed versus one seed. I know. I'm going out on a limb. I am spewing hot takes all over the place here. I am saying stuff that is crazy, that no one else is saying. But I've said this for the last about month or so now. The Packers get home field advantage. I don't think any team is going to Lambeau and winning. And to me, the Chiefs are still the best team, by far. So, real hot take, really going out on a limb, I understand. I know, I know. That's why why you guys listen, to listen to the ridiculous, the crazy hot takes. But no, I, I do think it's actually going to be the Chiefs and the Packers. I know. Real crazy. But you know what? That's what I think. So I'm not going to uh, BS you. I'm not going to tell you a lie. I'm not going to say something just to get a reaction. So again, your thoughts, Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter as well. College football playoffs tomorrow. I am pumped up, fired up. As you see, wearing my uh, Penn State crew neck. They will not be in. Not even close. Season ended the first day it started. So, <laughs> it's been a little rough. But, that does not take away my excitement as a big college football fan of this college football playoff. Both games, we'll, we'll preview quickly here. Notre Dame Alabama won't take too long. Because, honestly, I am hoping for a close game. That's all I'm asking for from Notre Dame. Please keep it close. As a Notre Dame fan growing up, and I can attest, before, you know, before um, going to Penn State, as a student, my team was Notre Dame. Growing up, high school, I bled blue and gold. My room to this day, still living at home, is blue and gold. Fun fact for you. In case you don't believe me, that is, that is well, that's that. We'll, we'll leave that there. So I know, and I have plenty of personal experience, watching Notre Dame get to the big stage to fall short, to get blown out, to get embarrassed. And I'll be honest, I think it's going to happen again. Pains me to say it. I don't take any joy in saying it. I think it's going to happen again. Because you look at this Alabama offense, right? You look at this team. Now, whoever's going to get the four seed, I think this is going to happen. But you look at this Alabama offense and how potent, how explosive they are. They lead the country. First downs per game. Getting a ton of first downs. 
Team passing efficiency. No one's more efficient passing the ball than Alabama. Third down conversion rate. So they rarely get to third down. But when they do, guess what? They are the best in the country at converting. Not to mention fifth in all of the country in passing yards per game, 354. Second in scoring offense. They're averaging 49.7 points per game. With an SEC-only schedule, averaging almost 50 points per game. Fifth in total offense, 543 yards per game. Incredible. This offense cannot be stopped. And that is without one of their dynamic receivers in Jalen Waddle, who got hurt early in the year against Tennessee, and they are still putting up these ridiculous numbers. In an SEC-only schedule, they played 11 games. All 11 have been against SEC opponents. No Little Sisters of the Poor, no Citadel, no Florida State, North, South, East, West University, college campus, in wherever, Roanoke, I think it's in Florida, wherever. SEC teams they've only played. Do you know what their average margin of victory was in those games? 11 games against SEC opponents. They are winning by an average of 30 points per game. Not scoring 30 points per game, which would be impressive. They are winning by 30 points per game. So yeah, whoever was going to be in that 4 seed, guess what? They were going to have their hands full, to say the least. And so Notre Dame, like I said, it, it's easy to bag on them for their New Year's 6, their big bowl appearances. Because guess what? They have not gone well. The last six New Year's 6, and credit my guy, Nick McCool. Hope you're listening, Nick, because I want to give you the credit here. He tagged me in a tweet from R.J. Bell. Now, again, growing up a Notre Dame fan, I knew this, but I didn't, you know, at least have the numbers to back it up. I just had the experience and, and the pain after all these games are completed. The last six times uh, Notre Dame has been in a New Year's Six Bowl, right, which is, if you're not a college football fan, New Year's Six Bowls are the big-time bowls. If you can't make it to the, to the playoff, if you can't make it to the national championship when it was the BCS, the New Year's Six is always what you strive for. Cotton Bowl, Rose Bowl, Orange Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Peach Bowl, and a missing one, I think. No, that's six. Okay, that's six. When those last six times Notre Dame has been to a big bowl game, they are 0-6. And if that doesn't, if that's not bad. Their average margin of defeat, the average margin of defeat is 24 points. So 0-6, and they're really not keeping it close. Now we'll say this for Notre Dame. This is a different Notre Dame team in 2020 than it was in 05 when they played Ohio State in the Festival. Than it was when they played LSU with Jim Marcus Russell in, I believe it was a Sugar Bowl than it was when they played Alabama in the 2012 national title, than it was in 2018 they played Clemson in the Cotton Bowl. This is by far the best Notre Dame team that Brian Kelly's ever had. The best Notre Dame team, arguably maybe in my lifetime. And that still won't matter because that's how good Alabama is. That's the unfortunate part for them. Alabama is that good offensively, that efficient, that potent, that deadly. That it doesn't matter who the four team was. A&M, Cincinnati. You can put any team in the four seed where Notre Dame is. This game, we'd be saying the same thing. Now, hopefully, I think Notre Dame's defense is better than A&M's, better than Cincinnati's. Could have the best shot at slowing down Alabama a little bit. I think their offense has at least enough potential to maybe score some points. Although, I can't lie, watching that Clemson ACC title game got me a little concerned that their offense maybe isn't as great as it truly is. Alabama, their offense is, I mean, their defense isn't as good as Clemson's defense. I don't have Brent Venables um, calling all these insane defensive coverages that work. So, Notre Dame, 
I'm begging you to keep it close. I don't think they will. The spread is 20. Uh, we'll do it in Hanky's pick. Cause I still don't have a pick, to be honest, because 20 points is massive. I think I'm going to lean Alabama. But unfortunately for the Irish, they got the short end of the stick where they are going to play a game that no matter who is in their spot, they're going to get blown out. And we're going to be saying, well, not we. A lot of people are going to be saying, Notre Dame, here we go again. Never, never put them in the playoff. Bam. Every time they get into the big game, they come up short. Notre Dame is still one of the best teams in the country. They've made it to either the playoff or the title game three times in the last 10 years. Think about that. 2012, 2018, 2020. Three times in the last 10 years. Outside of Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. Not many teams can say that. Not many teams can say that. So let's also put some respect on Notre Dame's name. Because they, are, they are, are good. They deserve to be there. Unfortunately for them, the gap between Alabama and probably Clemson and everybody else is pretty large. They drew the short of the stick in playing Alabama. I think it's going to get ugly. But with that said, Notre Dame, let's also relax on trying to bag on them and, you know, say they don't belong, say they stink, all, all this rhetoric that's going to come up, you know, when, uh, when they do play tomorrow. On the other side, I teased it earlier. Clemson, Ohio State, two versus three. By far one of the juiciest matchups in the playoff we've ever really had. Because that's also a thing with the college football playoff. There haven't been many good games. As a massive college football fan, there really haven't been many games worth a lot of storylines, a lot of intrigue, with some, honestly, some pure hate. A lot of trash talk. Remember, these two teams played last year. Ohio State, because of some controversial flags, weren't happy with the, game, with the way the game ended last year. Clemson adding more fuel to the fire because Dabo Sweeney basically saying Clemson doesn't, uh, Ohio State doesn't belong. Let me play this cut, actually. Dabo, this is Dabo Sweeney earlier this week. Basically saying that he ranked Ohio State 11th in his poll. He doesn't even think they belong in the playoff, and here's why. There's no question uh, Ohio State is, is uh, good enough to, to beat us. They're good enough to beat anybody of these four. They're good enough to be the national champion. That's not a question at all. Uh, I didn't rank anybody who didn't play nine games or more in the top ten. Nobody. So he had Ohio State ranked 11th in his coaches poll because they didn't play enough games. And he, he's made comments about how prepping for Ohio State is easy because they've only played six games. That's going to be a quick study. So Dabo Sweeney pouring gasoline uh, on this fire already and really adding some, some intrigue and some, um, some real interest to this game for sure. And I like it. So with that said, there are, there are two things I look at why I believe Ohio State can actually pull the upset of beat Clemson. Reason number one, this is me personally. I am a huge believer, bulletin-board material, extra motivation. Now, I know you're going to say, oh, Ohio State is obviously, they're, not, they're going to be motivated to play in this game. Why would they go to care about what Dabo Sweeney says? They're obviously going to be fired to play in the playoff. You're right. Ohio State's not going to go into this playoff saying, ah, oh, you know what, maybe we'll win. And you hear Dabo Sweeney say, oh, they, they're ranked 11th. They don't, you know, play more games. It's not fair that they're in. And teams like A&M and Cincinnati aren't in here because they played more games. You're getting punished for playing more games, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, Ohio State's going to be like, oh, wow. Let's get, let's get fighting. You know, let's actually try to win this game. No, obviously, they were motivated coming in. They had a chip on their shoulder, and they remember last year. But every little bit helps, to be honest. Personally. Every little bit helps. Because, obviously, going back to last year, like I said, controversial loss with some bad penalties, a brutal INT by Justin Fields, um, to, and a miscommunication to end the game. That You couple that with the fact that Ohio State basically forced the Big Ten to come back in part because they wanted this rematch. 
They wanted a chance to get back on the stage. They wanted a chance to play Clemson again and beat them. So you remember the sting from last year. You forced essentially the Big Ten to come back this year in order to get to this point. Now you have Dabo Sweeney disrespecting you even more, saying you don't play enough games, you don't deserve to be here. You know, it's not fair that you know, teams that play more games got punished. I truly believe that, that those extra digs will help and give, your, give the Buckeyes a little extra motivation. I do think that, in the end, will, will be the difference. Call me crazy, you know, call me a narp, I, I don't you know, know the game, blah, 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 that's fine. That's just how I think. I, I am an emotional fan. So, uh, you know, I'll get fired up more over comments like this personally. So if I was a player, yeah, I have this hanging in my locker. I'd, I'd have, if I'm Ryan Day, I'd hammer this home every single second I get to remind everyone on this team that you don't belong. Especially in college football. This is not pros, especially in college football. That emotion, that motivation does have a bigger impact than it does in the pros. So, yeah, I, I'm buying into the bolts of board material, extra motivation, as a real reason why I think Ohio State can win. Call me crazy. You can do what you want. That's what I believe. Not to mention the second reason. Ohio State is getting healthier. Now, look, obviously six games, they had three canceled because of COVID issues, two of them because of other teams, one because of their own. But they've also had plenty of COVID absences on their own team the past few weeks. More importantly, their best receiver, Chris Olave, returning to the field. He'll be there was missing in the Big Ten title game. You kind of saw Joseph Fields struggle when he had his number one option on the field. Offensive line is back, fully intact, which helps. So that should help get Justin Fields back on track. Now, an interesting point was made, and I, I'm forgetting the source, to be honest, and I apologize for that. It may have been Bill Landis of The Athletic, who, who is a, a Ohio State reporter, but someone made the point earlier this week, I think it's interesting, that they look at games like Indiana, they look at games like Northwestern where Justin Fields specifically has struggled, and that led to the offense struggling. He thinks that, you know what, maybe the cause of the struggle was putting extra pressure because you knew as Ohio State, because of the limited games you were playing, you not only had to win these games, you had to win impressively. Now, you couldn't just beat Indiana, you had to blow them out. You couldn't just beat Northwestern, you had to blow them out. Because, again, you were playing less games, so you have a, a smaller sample size to try to impress the committee. You have a smaller sample size. but You basically have more hurdles to clear in order to try to determine yourself and deem yourself worthy of being in the top four. Now, obviously, it didn't really end up coming back to bite them, winning close games against Indiana, winning close against Northwestern. But I wonder, and it's a good point that now, okay, now that Ohio State has made it, if that pressure is lifted, like if all the pressure was – forget the pressure like once you're in the playoff and trying to win the championship – but I wonder how much pressure internally was on Ohio State, was on guys like Justin Fields, that felt like, okay, we just can't win. We have to blow out and dominate. Leads to taking more chances. Leads to, you know, instead of maybe settling for a field goal or settling for a punt, you try to be the hero to say, hey, we need to score points. We got to get a touchdown here no matter what. I'm going to try to make a hero play and it ends up being an interception. I, I just wonder. I, I'm curious about that. As you've, you make the playoff, it's kind of like, all right, sigh relief, we did it, you know, six games, we figured it out, now we're now it's almost like the pressure's off, because we got there, now it's just win the game. Win it ugly, win it pretty, blowout, walk off, doesn't matter, just win the game. I wonder how much that will have an impact on Ohio State. I think that'll be a good thing for them as well. Not to mention, finally, quickly, Clemson missing their safety, Nolan Turner in the first half, a massive loss, because this guy is almost the quarterback of the secondary. He's the only experienced guy back there, which is going to be huge because he got a targeting call 
against Notre Dame in the ACC title game. He'll be at the first half. Offense coordinator Tony Elliott of Clemson will not be there. COVID protocols, he'll be on the sideline. So I'm interested to see, you know, you're going to have a new guy calling plays now, the quarterback coach Brandon Streeter. I wonder how much of an impact that will have. So a lot of things, honestly, I'm looking at it where I'm, you know what? Ohio State, I think they can pull the upset. Like they kind of think they will. So get your thoughts. Facebook Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. Can Ohio State pull the upset? Can they beat Clemson? And for Notre Dame, can they just keep it close? Is there anything Notre Dame can show you, can prove to you, that it will make you view them differently when it comes to uh, the big spotlight? We'll do that next. And when we, get, when we come back, Errol Marks, the president of CBR, uh, of the Worldwide Sports Network, will call in. We'll, we'll discuss with him before we get to Hickey's Pickies with Preston Rooksbury Carmine. That's coming up on the final show. Of 2020 it is the Ryan Hickey Show with you right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Ryan Hickey Show until 11 a.m. Eastern, closing out 2020, hopefully in style. What is one thing you could take from 2020 to 2021? How about we ask our next guest, Errol Marks, president of the great worldwide sports radio network. Errol, 2020 is about to wrap up right now. Is there anything you would take from 2020, bringing it to the new year in 2021? Yeah, where's 2021? <laughs> 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 oh, oh, man, it's been a horrible, horrible year, but... Uh... Uh, being that it's a new year in about, I don't know, less than 24 hours, I'm very excited about it, not only with uh, our network moving forward, but sports. I mean, everything that's going on in sports, uh, finally, maybe with the vaccine out, you know, in the next six to seven months, we'll actually have fans going back to the stadiums and cheering for their team. So that's the one thing I'm excited about. Me? Oh, man, me too. That's Can't wait to get back in the stadium. That's Hear the crowd noise again instead of this fake crowd noise. It's uh, be very, it'd be very nice. It'd be very nice. Um, so we're we gonna talk about today. Are you you want to talk about? You want to make a comment about Ohio State? Can in your mind can they beat Clemson or uh, is this gonna be a Clemson Alabama national title? You know, when you when you look at Ohio State and Justin Fields, and he's always gonna be connected to Trevor Lawrence. Right. And you hear all these stories about Trevor Lawrence that he's a generational type of quarter, a type of talent. Everybody forgets that Justin Fields was the number one recruit of that uh, of that year, and Trevor Lawrence was the number two. Now all of a sudden, it, it, the the line switch. Trevor Lawrence is the number one guy, and Justin Fields could be the number two or number three guy with everything that you hear about Zach Wilson. But I mean, going into this game. You would like to see an upset. You would like to see Justin Fields beat Clemson, go to the national title game, knock off Alabama and right off into the sunset. Maybe Justin Fields will get his respect, which I believe he doesn't get enough of. But, again, this is Ohio State. Ohio State, for some reason over the years, can't get over the hump. There's no more Urban Meyer. There's no more uh, defensive prowess that we talk about year in and year out when – they're one of the top five defensive teams in the country. And I'm not, a lot of people would say, well, they kind of are one of the top five defensive teams in the country. But the way they play, especially against Northwestern, 
and, and really what we've seen over the last couple of games for Ohio State. I don't know if I trust Ohio State in a big game to knock off a powerhouse like Clemson, the number one, I believe, the number one team in the country, the most talented team in the country, with arguably the best quarterback in the country. So I, I'm going to predict that it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a fun game to watch. But for some reason, I can't put my bet on Ohio State. I would love, Brian, I would love to see Justin Fields knock off Trevor Lawrence and go to a national title game and knock off the great and powerful Nick Saban, Alabama slammer, Crimson Tide. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I know. I, I, as you know, I'm a big Fields guy personally. I'm going to roll with him. I think he can get it done. Um, but yeah, it's you know, I you know, no, I'm feeling good. I think he can do it. Um, I think there's enough there. I think that when um, I, like maybe this, I'll ask you because this is me personally. I buy like I am a, an emotional person. Where I will buy into bulletin board material. I will buy into extra motivation that maybe helps a team in the end. I understand Ohio State's going to be fired up, right? They, they, they remember last year how they lost to Clemson. They are ready for this game. They're in the college football playoff. They have a chance to win a national title. You're not going to be going to that game kind of unmotivated or, or just kind of loafing. But hearing Dabo Sweeney talk about the way he has with Ohio State, they don't deserve I'm ranking them number 11. They're going to be a quick study. They only played six games. Not fair that they're in, and these other teams who played a lot of these games are out. Do you buy into – an extra, you know, bulletin board material, I guess. Are you a, a, a believer of that at all or no? I am a believer, and I, I do believe that Justin Fields, hearing all the naysayers say that he's not even the second-best quarterback going into this draft class, and hearing that Trevor Lawrence is by far the better talent than Justin Fields. When you look at numbers, numbers would show you that Justin Fields isn't far off from what Trevor Lawrence is. The problem here is, what, what we've seen, Trevor Lawrence has won a national title his freshman year, and this guy's been in the national title game every single year, every single college year that he's been in, you know, in Clemson. Uh, I want to see Justin Fields knock off Trevor Lawrence. I would love to see him knock off Alabama because then you're going to have that if factor. Will Jacksonville draft Trevor Lawrence at number one? Maybe they, if you see Justin Fields knock off Trevor Lawrence, not even considerably, but knock him off with, a uh, 350-yard game, four touchdowns, three touchdowns, and a, a running touchdown in, and then knock off Alabama and do the same thing. Could you pass up, if you're Jacksonville, on Justin Fields and decide to go with Trevor Lawrence? Because let's be honest, last year's national title game, Trevor Lawrence wasn't good. So as good as everybody keeps saying about Trevor Lawrence and as good as everybody keeps talking about him being the generational quarterback, it doesn't mean that Justin Fields can't go in there and knock off Clemson. Do I believe what you were just saying? Um, do I believe that they're going to put it on the board of what they said about Ohio State and how Clemson is heavily favored in this game? Absolutely. If I was the coach right now, I'd go in there and I would tell them, listen, everybody expects us to lose. Everybody doesn't think that we're qualified to go to the national title game and even be compared to Alabama or Clemson. So, yes, I do believe that the coaches will go in there with Ohio State today or even tomorrow afternoon and say we can be you know we can beat this team we got to put it in our minds that we can go out there and play this team and compete with this team so yes i do i do believe that you can uh say that that's what the coaches are going to do okay i'm glad to, i'm not crazy i wasn't sure if i was the only one in, in that boat where again like you know a lot of people can say oh of course they're motivated of course they're fired up big game that's not going to help but you know maybe you know again i, I am 
an emotional guy. Like I said, I'm glad you're on the same page as that. All right, Errol, you are also a big-time Jets fan. Obviously, a guy you were just mentioning, Trevor Lawrence, looks like you lost out on that. I mean, I hear you're saying, barring a miracle, I, I mean, even that, I, I think Trevor Lawrence, it's it basically as big of a guarantee you can have going number one to the Jaguars. What are your thoughts? Are you pissed about the win? Um, we're now two wins in a row. What are your thoughts about the Jets uh, going forward here? I'm not pissed. As a Jet fan, I don't want my team to go down as one of the worst teams in NFL history. Okay? Am I happy that the Jets aren't getting Trevor Lawrence? No, I'm not happy. But there is another generational type of talent that the Jets could draft at number two, and that's Benel Sewell. I think he, he, to me, is by far and along the best tackle we've seen come out of the draft in about five years. He would have been the top tackle drafted in last year's stocked draft class mm -hmm. of uh, offensive linemen. Um, I think that if you look at the Jets, and it, everything is built around the trenches. In the NFL, it's all about how strong your offensive line is and how strong your defensive line is. Because when you get into the playoffs, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is, a.k.a. Peyton Manning. We've seen it over the years with uh, all different types of quarterbacks, top-end quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, that can't get it done because their offensive line can't hold up or their defense can't get to the quarterback. So what the Jets need to do uh, if they can't get Trevor Lawrence, which it doesn't look like they are going to, a lot of people keep saying that you trade down and get as much stock as you can. Well, the Jets have nine, nine picks in the first three rounds in the next two years, which is more than any team in the NFL, which means they can rebuild this team from top to bottom in the next two years. And they're second amongst the league's um, – salary cap when they they have about 98 between 98 and 90 million dollars to spend in the offseason right behind jacksonville where they can rebuild whatever position they need to obtain to make better so i i, I look at the jets right now the jets are set up very very well here's the problem what is joe douglas going to do after they fire adam gaze after sunday because it's come out even though adam gaze doesn't believe it's true <laughs> i don't know what he's being <laughs> Maybe his cuckoo eyes are working in a different level. I have no idea. But he is going to get fired after Sunday's game, win or lose. What my problem is, is Joe Douglas finally, is a GM finally going to take over the reins, not let the Johnson family get involved, and pick the right coach for this job to rebuild whatever they've ruined from this quarterback in Sam Donald. Because I do believe that Sam Donald is a franchise quarterback. He has the talent. He has the mobility to be a talented quarterback in this league. I even believe with the talent that we've seen of Josh Allen, he's just as good or even better than Josh Allen. It doesn't show with numbers. It doesn't show on the field yet. But that has a lot to do with coaching and the players that they put around the kid. I think the kid has been thrown under the bus numerous amount of times in the last two seasons, and the kid can't stay healthy. You know why? Because he can't stay on his two feet. Can't block for Building him. Can't block for him. Yep. I yep. couldn't agree more. Errol, as a Colts fan, I want yep. Darnold bad. I do. I, I'm with you. I think he has a lot of talent, and I think he's he's gotten screwed. He's gotten the short end of the stick a lot, and it's it's incompetence starting, you know, at the top. Three, you know, as we, as you know, I won't rehash it all. He's been uh, – he hasn't really got a fair shake, to say the least. Um, quickly, we do have to run. Great news. I said we're going to the new year, right? 2021, hopefully a better year for everybody around, including the worldwide sports radio network. Errol, what can listeners, fans of the network expect from this great station going forward into the new year? Well, one thing is Ryan Hickey. I, I mean, I mean, the Ryan Hickey show being 
the lead morning show with our network uh, has been spectacular. What you have do, what you're doing for our network, and really being the lead guy in the morning, and, and us really pushing forward. We're going to have new shows added to the network in the next three months. Uh, we have a team of uh, of uh, you know we've been connected with Belly Up Sports. We're together with Belly Up Sports now, and we've combined forces. Uh, they have a, a, um, a talent evaluator that's looking for new shows that are interested or we're interested in joining us moving forward. Um, we're working on so many things, Ryan. It really is crazy. Uh, uh, as far as our what we're doing when it comes to downloads and, and really um, our viewership, it's, it's enforced. And, and what we're trying to do right now, and I'm not going to mention anything because there's no 110% uh, um, information yet that it's going to happen. There is an opportunity that we're going to have for uh, possibly one or two of our shows to be uh, put on a major network mm. where we can we can obviously put our you know our um, stamp to what we are here in Long Island, New York, and being the headquarters of New York Sports Radio. We're not we're we're not competing with the big organizations like WSAN or CBS Entercom or Sirius Radio or, you know, all of the, the companies that we've just mentioned. But I think what we're going to do in the new year is going to be enforced and digitally profiled who we are as a network and an organization. And I do believe by the end of this year, there will be an organization that are going to stamp their name to ours. And we are going to have a, a world, a, a serious network moving forward. Um, I'm very excited. I think everybody should be very excited. And if you're a fan of our network and you and you you really see the growth of what we've done, and we've been through so much, Ryan, we oh, really yeah. have with the shows that we've had and and some of the, the the shows that we've let go. And I I want to give a shout out to all the people that have been a part of this six year uh, hiatus. And I, I'm not going to mention names, but all the people that were involved with this that are no longer with us. I really appreciate all the hard work that everybody put into this to get us where we are today. But this 2021 is going to be an extremely uh, impressive year for us. I really do believe we are really going to rise to the top. People are going to really recognize us throughout the country and what we are as not only as a digitally profiled organization, but eventually a real organization stamped to a real media organization that's going to take us to higher heights. So I'm, very, very excited. I'm very excited about you too, man. By the way, congratulations for uh, being um, uh, getting an opportunity to be a host of a show on CBS. I, I, I never really gave you the opportunity. I, I give give the compliments. Uh, um, when I heard that you were going to do a show on CBS and you know being a fill-in, that's still a, an amazing feat for what you have been. For what, what, where have you been? Where you been? And what you've been through, Ryan? Um, I think the hard work is going to pay off with you. You're one of the most talented guys on our network. I always tell you that. And uh, uh, me and you, I, I've always wanted to work with you. I always did. And the fact that you're a part of our network and moving forward, I really believe not only with, with, with your show, with some of the great shows that we have, we are going to be something that people are going to be talking about for many, many months and many, many years to come. So I appreciate all your hard work. I appreciate everybody's hard work. And, this is a big year for us, a really, really big year for us. And I, I'm, I'm happy that you're one of the guys, one of the soldiers moving forward where we're going to move at uh, very big higher heights. 
Well, thank you, Errol. Thank you, Errol. And listeners, I hope you're listening close. Big year for the Worldwide Sports America 2021. So easy, easy enough to follow along. At WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network. We're on YouTube, Worldwide Sports Network. Twitch, Worldwide Sports Network. And the easiest, by far the easiest way to follow along with everything going on with the network heading to the new year. Download the app. One touch, boom, everything. Articles, shows, YouTube clips. It's all in one spot. WWSRN and iOS, Worldwide Sports Network and Android. Download the app. 2020, we just heard Errol say, big year, easiest way to follow along. I will say one thing, if I can add one thing. Sure. Guys, we're also on Apple Podcasts. We're on all the podcasts. Download, if you've missed any of our shows, if you, if you don't download our app because you have too many apps on your phone, that's fine. Go to Apple Podcasts. We had over 40, almost 40,000 downloads this month on Apple Podcasts and all our podcasts. Uh, we are growing. I, I'm very excited, and I want to thank everybody that supported us uh, through all these years. It's been really, really difficult. I never would have thought in my wildest dreams to start a network, but having talented people like Ryan and really some of the talent that we have, I, I, I'm just very excited. I really am. I think everybody is excited for where we're going and what we can do in the future for sports radio. Well, Errol, I appreciate the kind words again. WWSRN and iOS, Worldwide Sports Network and Android. Easy way to follow along with all the great stuff the network is doing, led by our fearless leader, Errol Marks. Errol, appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. Happy New Year. Excited to see where we go in 2021. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. I love that uh, elf suit that you had on the other day, by the way. Uh, thank you. I try to get in the, in the Christmas spirit uh, uh, back on New Year or Christmas Eve. Not New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve. So we're trying. We're trying. You know, we're, we, are, we are here trying. <laughs> Happy New Year. I'll stay safe. Happy New Year to you too, my friend. Our great president, Errol Marks. Big things coming to the Worldwide Sports Network, which is why important. Like I said, follow us on Twitter at WWSR underscore radio. Like us on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network. Twitch, Worldwide Sports Network. YouTube, Worldwide Sports Network. Apple Podcasts. Guess what the name is? Worldwide Sports Network. The only difference here, the app, like I said, one-stop shop for everything that we do here. Shows, articles, YouTube clips, it all's on one uh, one location, our app. WWSR on iOS, Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Android. Download it. It will be one of your best friends. Like Errol said, big year coming to 2021. You don't want to miss it. So when we come back, finishing off 2020 in style, no other way we know how than with Hickey's Pickies, my guy, Brooks Preston Carmines. Preston, I should say, excuse me, full name, Preston Rooksbury Carmines will join us next, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The final segment of the 2020 year on the Ryan Hickey Show, at least. And no better way to end off the last show of the year than with Hickey's Pickies. A guest, mind you, that it took a while to get this guy on. A lot to go through, a lot of channels. I talked to a lot of people, but finally, we were able to get this guy on. A, a fancy man, if you will. Preston Rooksbury Carmines. Yes, I know, it sounds like royalty. That's because it is. Simply, we call him R-Man, P-Man, or Preston Rooksbury Carmines. It is the aforementioned Preston. P-Man, thanks for coming on, man. Th thank you for finally agreeing, relenting. It took a lot of begging, but thank you for coming on finally. 
I'm glad I'm glad our team our teams got together. You know, there were a lot of negotiations involved, but I'm glad our teams could get this sorted out and and I could be here. You know. Yeah, your agent. He's a he's a tough one. He just won't say yes to anything. I, I kind of figured, yeah. you know, college friends. I mean, college roommates. If you you know, if you want to go so far, maybe you throw me a bone here. But uh, yeah, I really no. had to, like I said, do a lot of begging, and it uh, finally relented. But man, it was not easy. Not easy. Yeah, I gotta I gotta talk to my team later just because you spelled my name wrong on Twitter and like <laughs> I, like it's it's just it's a team thing, you know. Like I can't believe they would bring me onto this radio show <laughs> with someone who can't spell my name correctly. But like it's fine. We'll I'll talk to them later. They're a little so all they'll right. Get reamed out a little bit. Your full name, Preston Rooksbury Carmines. What did I spell wrong? I I know Preston you is correct. Rooksbury wrong. Rooksbury is R U X X B U R Y. Ooh, it's oh, it's spelled like Rooksbury, not... but it's Rooksbury. Damn. Even fancy. I wish I got it right. That's even a fancier version of the name than, than I spelled them. I'm not even giving enough credit. Well, Rooksbury. Burberry, Rooksbury. I'm the, se- I'm the set. If you want to get into fanciness, Ooh. I'm the second. So I would have oh. two, like, the two, the two eyes next to my name as well. Damn, that is fresh. Make it super fancy, you know? If only you like an NFL player, we can see Preston Rooksbury Carmines. Then yeah, the two the two uh, eyes, uppercase eyes, would have been man. I mean, that, that that's was, a that mouthful. Was a, that was a dream until I ran like a <laughs> four nine forty yard yeah. dash at wide receiver, and then I think it was it was it wasn't gonna happen. Trust me, as someone who played on your uh, flag football team for four <laughs> years in college, yeah, I, I know, I know. <laughs> we, we won't get into the stats, but let's just say you know so, someone you put up. Tape? Someone, let's just say this for those listening who weren't who weren't aware of BGB's <laughs> IM flag football talent at, at Penn State back from 2012-2016. Someone talked the talk. We won't say who, but he's a guest on the show. Other people just walked the walk. <laughs> they just put the numbers up. They just scored touchdowns left and right. They just were the reason why the team won every week. But you know, they just they did they did about it in a quiet way. So again, I'll let you decipher. Who did the talking and who did the walking? But let's just say someone had touchdowns and someone, like you said, just, you know, wants to, wants to talk a lot for a living. I, I want this on record, on, on the air. He didn't catch his first oh pass God. until our third year of playing. Yeah, do you know, well, first of all, it was his second year. Second of all, it was because you sabotaged me. Ba- I, we barely even knew each other. Freshman year, we're running some routes, just, you know, doing some nerdy freshman things, throwing the football around. And this guy goes, oh, yeah, to our quarterback. This guy stinks. Don't throw in the ball. And, you know, Rooks is running, like he said, five, you know, five-minute, 40-yard dashes over here. We're moving the ball. The slowest – we probably had the slowest offense freshman year by far because all we're doing is five-yard curls, and there's Rooks, and he catches the ball. I can't run away from anyone. What are we going to do yeah, there? Did I catch it? Did I catch it, though? I did. I, did, I, I didn't drop anything. I, you just, just didn't throw him in the ball because the quarterback's like, oh, wow, I guess Rooks is right. This guy stinks. Lot, but like, and then what happened? You're talking about me being slow, but oh, here we go. got a lot of catches. Got to, I, I was a stat sheet stuffer. I mean, when everyone's playing 15 yards off the ball, you know, because it, it's flag football. Yeah. yeah. No wonder why, you, you know, you are like the Hunter Renfro, if you will. Just you're there, you, you know, you're catching the five-yard under routes. You know, you're not going I, far. I, personally, I prefer Adam Humphreys, but it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's well, again, once I got the ball sophomore year, let's just say there's a reason why we made the playoffs. We missed the playoffs freshman year, and there's a reason why we made the playoffs after that. Again, I, I'll let the audience <laughs> con- connect the dots. <laughs> Man, if we can go back to Iron Football, that was a blast. That was a, a lot of fun. No, it was great. And then, see, this, this, is, this is the part that I don't like before we get into the picks here. All, all my friends are going to side with you. So, Pooley, of course, <laughs> writes in. He's listening on Facebook. Rooks greater than Stonehands Hickey. I, like, you, you, 
it's unbelievable how history is getting rewritten as we speak here. Again, it's a real shame that Ian did not keep stats because, honestly, I probably would have had a plaque. Let me just call for what it is. I, Touchdowns, yards, yards per reception. It was all there. Drop, less, you know, least amount of drops, shorthandedness. Take your stats and double them, and that's what <laughs> oh I put up in, in I Am Football. Okay. Well, well, well. again, we'll let we'll the tape and, and the resume speak for itself. <laughs> all right, Rooks. Be, here, we, we have you on for a lot of reasons here. One, obviously, to set the record straight or, or not straight about, you know, some flag football happenings from five years ago. <laughs> But also to pick some games. Now, Nick, speaking of Nick and Pooley, they both did very well. Nick four and one, Pooley three, 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 one and one, I should say. And Lauren, first ever guest picker on the show. She's a perk five and zero. So the bar is set a little high. You feeling nervous? You confident? What what do you think? Oh, I'm I'm super nervous. Yeah, (laughs) I I was I was watching. uh, I remember watching Lauren's segment, and the choices were all like, she just had the feeling. You know what I mean? Like there were no. There's no analysis. It was just, no, this team's going to win. Just, they're going to win. Like, that's just the way it is. And, like, I want that kind of confidence. I just I just don't have it. The key for her, I think, is that she didn't even know half the teams existed, which, again, I guess ignorance <laughs> is bliss sort of uh, sort of thing. So, I mean, it, it worked for her. It definitely worked for her. I'm just trying to pull up Ted's here. Oh, here we go. Let's see. How did Teddy, yeah, how did Teddy do? He, Teddy, four and three. Okay. So Lauren five and zero, Nick four and one, Teddy four and three, Pooley three one and one. So Rooks, a lot of you know, a big bar here set by uh, by some people you know. Now does that uh, help? Gonna, does that I'm help the do anxiousness? Terrible. It's gonna be fine. I'm All gonna right. do awful. Well, that's that's the comments we want to hear. No better way <laughs> to close out Hickey's Pickies than with my guy Preston Rooks Burry Carmines. All right, Rooks. <laughs> the second. Oh shit. Ah, uh, the second. My bad. <laughs> I screwed that up. Yeah, this is the first time last time you're coming on this show. That is for sure. All right, Rooks, we'll do the college football playoff both games before we get to the NFL. Number one, Alabama. 20-point favorites against Notre Dame. Can, they, can the Irish just can they cover? Keep it close, or are you uh, rolling with the Crimson Tide? I am going to roll with the Crimson Tide. Hickey, do you remember what happened the last time Alabama and Notre Dame played? Um, I remember it well. I remember actually exactly where I was. <laughs> Not good. I just, <laughs> one of very fun college memory for me. Um, I, I'm taking Alabama. I just it's it's just hard to pick against them. You know, there's like the year where there I don't think their defense stacks up as like it used to. Their offense has been just insane. Like Devontae Smith and Mac Jones connection paired up with Najee Harris is just I don't, I don't know how. Like, I don't know how to game plan against that, to be honest. Um, I just, I'm going Alabama. And then also Notre Dame, like, I just, I think they're pretenders. And I know that's going to cut deep for you, Hickey. I'm, I'm sorry, but I just, I just think they're pretenders. And they barely beat, they take Clemson overtime without Trevor Lawrence. They're all excited. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence comes back. Like, come on, man. I, I think this is. I think while the spread is very, very large, like tw- twenty points in the college football playoff, I know, kind of insane. But I, I think Alabama's covering. I hate to say, it, Rooks, I, I'm with you. I, I do agree. Um, <coughs> like, it, there's no stopping the offense. That, that's for sure. Right? Like, maybe you get one or two punts, but the way that I mean. 
I think this is by far the best Notre Dame team that they've had, like, maybe in, in our lifetime. Like, you're right, 2012, that was just, I mean, man amongst boys. Twenty Like, you can go into basically any year uh, Notre Dame's been in a big bowl game. Embarrassed. <laughs> the thing that gets me really concerned, I looked this up earlier. So, Alabama, you're right, they play in only SEC schedule. They play 11 SEC games. Do you want to take a guess what their average margin of victory was in those games? How many points they won by an average? Take a guess. It was a lot. It was a lot. 20, 24. 30. Plus. 30. So, yeah, when I look at Notre Dame, how they how they played this year, like I said, just that the ACC title game wiped any confidence. I thought that was going to be a close yeah, game. I, I was going to say, like, 35-31, Clemson. I, 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 like, I wanted to give Notre Dame respect. I like, I like not liking Notre Dame. My dad's a Notre <laughs> Dame fan. You're a Notre Dame fan. I like not liking Notre Dame. But um, but this year I was actually giving them like respect, and then I thought them beating Clemson the first time would give them the confidence going into the second game, but that, that was not the case in the slightest. That no, was, man, no, it was not. So I'm I'm, not I'm with you. You know, unfortunately, I hate to say it, history is not on their side. The, the, late, the latest game maybe you shouldn't take everything with you know the latest game, but I'm with you. Just just to get owned like they did, I can't. I can't sit here and pick Notre Dame. So I hope they keep it close. I'm rooting for them to win, but I'm with. I'll lay the twenty with Alabama. I think they do cover. So great minds think alike. I guess both of us on the Crimson side. You, you know what that means. Here comes a Notre Dame cover. <laughs> so since your boy Rooks, you do now. I'll say this. So you have four picks. Just so you know, I went zero five last week. I got everything wrong, including the FF special. My first offer. I'm kind of scared for when me and you are picking the same because I, I don't think it's going to work out in my favor, but it's, so, I'll, I'll take it. I just, you can change it. I'll let you change it if you want. I just want you to know that I've had – basically the last half of the year has been awful. I've had, like, losing weeks and capped it off an offer. After, so. after Notre Dame just getting dominated by Clemson, I think Alabama's going to be worse. All right, so we both are in agreement. Not probably historically the best on your side, but we both are in agreement – Alabama <laughs> covers the minus 20. How about the nightcap? Interesting. Clemson minus 7.5 versus Ohio State. Those Buckeyes. What are you thinking here, P-Man? So, obviously, compared to the other game, this one's definitely, <laughs> it should be more competitive. Um, I think it's interesting because while Clemson's in the ACC and they have, like, more games on their schedule, I think Ohio State has had, like, a few tougher matchups. I mean, Indiana's Ooh. a really gritty team. Don't tell Dabo like, Sweeney that. I know. I also not a big Dabo Sweeney fan. I think he's a great coach. I do not enjoy him as a person. Um, but I think I think I'm going with Clemson here. It's just it's it's very hard to pick against Trevor Lawrence. Like Trevor Lawrence has been so battle tested at this point, and like he's been on this stage for so long. Like it's so hard to pick against him. And then a lot of people don't talk about like Clemson's defense too. But Clemson's defense is not a bad like. Not a bad defense in no, any, they are any not. sense. They are top ten in yards per game. Like they are, they are legit. Um, and I think I just think. And while I've I've watched I've watched Ohio State for many years now, being a Penn Stater, and I think this is the first year they look somewhat vulnerable. They lost tons of people, and it's just it's hard to replace every single year. Um, and I think this is the first year that they look like there's some there's some holes on the field. But, All right. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Clemson in this one. So I, I I'm with you on especially the Dabo stuff. I'm not a big uh, big fan of him at all. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do He's I'm gonna worst. he really is. Great <laughs> coach. This guy just stinks. He is 
as Nick and Floyd would say, he's a Jeed. I'm just not a. <laughs> he's such a Jeed. <laughs> but with that said, or now, now it said, I'm still going to take Ohio State. Like this is honestly, I'm a, I'm an emotional guy, Rooks. I will take and I will oh, buy into the bulletin Nicky. board material. Dabo, you know, they don't belong. They don't deserve. Not enough games. Not fair. They shouldn't be in. Blah blah blah. This probably, I mean, I think will have some sort of bearing and impact. So you know what? I'll take Ohio State touchdown and a half or seven and a half. I hope I said that right. Touch seven and a half points. We'll keep it simple. I think Ohio State will will keep it close. I think they can win. I truly do. I I, 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 I I agree with that. I, th- I think this is going to be a close game. I definitely think this is going to be a, this is going to be a shootout. Are you rooting for the Buckeyes? No, I I can't. I know. Eat, no matter who they're playing, I I can't bring myself to root to root for the nuts, man. I can't I can't do I it. I know. I I don't like it. Um, I like Justin Fields. I feel really weird. I just I'm not a dabble guy, and. He just hearing him kind of just keep on talking. I just yeah. Well, and that's the thing. He, he pushed like, me to the, the more edge. he complains and like talks to the media about this stuff, it's just like I I actually hate you. But <laughs> it's it, it's fine. It's fine. I'm gonna go with Clemson. Smart to disagree. I will take Ohio State. You'll take Clemson again. Very smart to disagree nice. after the. That, uh, that's good. That's, that's <laughs> a good thing. If you're picking the other team, that's a really yeah. good sign. <laughs> So we disagree. So Alabama, we agree on. Clemson, you have. I have Ohio State. We'll go to three NFL games, Rooks. We'll start with your squad. Cardinals favored by three points at the Rams. No Jared Goff. No Daryl Henderson. No Cooper Cup. So things are there for the Cardinals. They should win this game. You're a diehard Cardinals fan. The only Cardinals. Actually, not sure. I know one other Cardinals fan. Few and far between. There's a sea of red. Can we make it to the playoffs this year? I, okay. After I don't know if you caught any of the 49ers game last week. Oh, I did. I do. I do not <laughs> want to pick Arizona this week. As a Cardinals <laughs> fan, I do not want to pick Arizona, even without golf. We lost to CJ Bathard last week, dude. Yeah. I, I am so <laughs> yeah. down on the Cardinals right now. I do not like us defensively. We're a mess. Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury. Don't even get me started. I. Do you want him fired? Do you like Cliff? His game management and play calling is just insane. The the amount of third and one shotgun inside zones we've ran this year is is it's mind boggling. I I can, don't even get me started. But I think with hopefully the stars are aligned. You know, with um, the Rams missing people, I'm gonna go with the Cards here. Unfortunately, I I'm not happy about it as a Cardinals fan, but I'm taking the Cardinals. I think Kyler can get it done. I uh, Rooks, I hate to say it. Yeah, now you can change your pick if you want. I'll give you that luxury every time because I'll go. <laughs> I am taking the cards. Like I, I can't oh, lie. Well, I'm a little concerned dude. that John McVay could get the best out of John Wolford and just like have him what go off. Is, like McVay's system, like I feel like it's very like because Goff's not like in my opinion. I don't think Goff is this insane, amazing quarterback, but. It's a, it's such a good system that I think he can I think he can get something out of uh, Walter, but uh, I'm gonna go with the Cardinals. Unfortunately, I'm with you, Rooks. If they lose this game, man, God, oh God, if they lose this game. Well, that's what I said last week. Last well, week. that's the Niners are missing everybody. They got third string quarterback in. There's no possible way Jeff Jeff Wilson run for 167. Thar throws three touchdowns. Like I. I'm out of yeah. I'm out of any insight to this. You know, it's it's just embarrassing. I'm gonna go with the strategy. There's no way they'll lose to third string quarterbacks or second tr- backup quarterbacks in back to back weeks. I, <laughs> I I hope now I can't. 
I don't feel great saying that when it comes out of my mouth hearing that, but I'll roll with your guys. I'll take the cards. Don't, don't give us the chance three. to do it because we'll, <laughs> we will mess it up. Well, that's one thing. The Cardinals, the Cardinals are great at playing down to people. We have like, oh, perfect. two great team on paper. <laughs> But any any time we play a team that's like, oh, this should be a comfortable win, like it's it's a loss. So Cliff Kingsbury playing down in the competition, you don't say, huh? You don't say. Yeah. Goodness. All right. Well, we're both on the Cardinals there. Kiss of death. I apologize, Rooks. I will, I'm so sad. I'll buy you a bottle <laughs> if uh, you have to drown your sorrows away on, on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of a team with backup quarterbacks, just dismay. The Washington football team will start probably Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Fifty bucks. Where do you go to school? Um, Old Dominion. Well, I don't have fifty I, bucks. Okay, that's good. I actually thank I, God we didn't shake on that. Funny story about him. I went to um, I went to junior day at Old Dominion, and we like he like threw it to me that day. That's the only reason why I like. Wow. Yeah. So junior in high school, Rooks is catching passes from Taylor Heineke. Junior year of college, he's getting passed on the depth chart by yours truly. Interesting. I, I love how that you know. <laughs> All of, all of that is, you talk about the fall of a star, the fall of an athlete. <laughs> Catching pass from an NFL quarterback one year, next year, third on, on the depth chart. I love it. <laughs> so your guys, so you have a personal connection with Taylor Heineke. They are favored by one and a half points at home win, and you're in. Your second team, Rooks, you're a big Washington football guy, be from oh that area. Goodness. Against the Eagles, wh which way are you leaning? Wh what are we thinking here? Are we hailing to the football team or fly, Eagles, fly? If the football team did, if Alex, because Alex Smith didn't practice yesterday, but they, they, Ron Rivera, there's all these things where he's saying Alex Smith is playing. If confidently they were saying Alex Smith was going to play, I would probably pick the football team just because he's, he's great in like stability in that offense. And then their defense is just been, their front four are just insane. But um, I think I'm going to go with the Eagles here. One, because I don't think I'll ever live down from you and Teddy if I pick the football team. I think you guys will bring this up. Um, for Look, the rest of my Rook, life. You, let, that's your team. Let's just not pretend here, right? <laughs> you are from the D.C. area. You are a, a Washington football team guy. You, you HTTR or HTTFT. I, 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 I don't think I'll ever hear the end of it if I pick the football team. I mean, you did sit next yeah. to what, Dan Snyder a few times. Is that wrong? Yeah, Am I, I wrong here? I did. Me and Dan Snyder used to be boys. Um, so, don't know about well, his Well, used to be. I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> Rooks uh, is already claiming. part of that. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to put that on record. Um, no. Um, Rooks is a good I'm guy. Gonna pick, <laughs> I'm, I'm picking the Eagles here. Um, week one, I guess Jalen Hurts' first weekend, when he played the Cardinals, he looked insane. Like, he looked so comfortable. Last week he had some growing pains. I mean, down the stretch made some made some bad decisions against a very very weak Cowboys uh, defense. But if if Heineke plays, like I just I don't I don't see I don't see the football team taking that game. I just it's it's very hard to choose that, and I'm gonna go with the Eagles. I agree. You want to, so Dwayne Haskins? I know. Not, I, I'm sorry. Let's, oh we agree goodness. in three now. You are what you a, are what screwed. A joke. You yeah, are screwed. I'm, I'm in a bad spot here. Dwayne Haskins, 73 quarterback rating this year. Alex Smith, 79. Even if Alex Smith plays, he's not been great. Like, I, I'm I with you. Been, I, think this I don't is... think he's been great, but I think, I mean, he's just a game manager. You know, he's, he's not going to lose you the game. And I think if that team leans on the defense and that front four, I think, I think it gives them a shot, especially against, like, the shaky Eagles. But it's... It's a toss-up, in my opinion, and I, I, just, I think the Eagles are going to spoil. I think so, too. 
Uh, since you're a DC local, do they call it? So how did they say the football team? Is that is that the nickname? Like what? Yeah, what do we, they say? We, we just call it the we call it the football team. Yeah. I like that. I kind of like that. Actually. As a football team fan, you know, uh, we we call them <laughs> the football team. <laughs> no, no, I like football club. I thought that would have been a little cooler. Did people have gripes that, about that? Then or they no? start getting into like soccer and stuff, and it's like too much. Like, you're not a soccer team. Okay. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's not. I don't think it's a good choice. The but. football team. All right. We're, we are both against the football team, both on the Eagles there, man. Me and Rooks, both oh, on Alabama, both on the cards, both on the Eagles. Woo. You are in big <sighs> trouble, so my sad. friend. I'm so sad. <laughs> One last chance to disagree. Another win in your in-sort of game here for the Dolphins. Miami going into Buffalo. Two is going to start. They're getting two and a half points against the Bills. P-Man, which way are you thinking here? I, I'm picking, I'm picking the favorite team again, and it, I, I don't like it because I think you're gonna do it as well. Um, I'm picking the Bills here. Jo- Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs connection right now is insane, and Diggs is playing some of the best football he's ever played. I, they, they said they're not gonna sit anybody, and they're they're playing for seeding and they're playing for that second spot. So I think they're gonna come out fired up and ready for the playoffs. I think the Bills are taking this game. Great news, P-Man. I am taking the Dolphins. Now here's Perfect. Where... <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so two games Ooh, you disagree on. <laughs> you have a chance here. I, you know, they, you just said, they're not going to sit anyone. Here's my concern. Halftime, they say, you know what, maybe we'll sit guys down. Like, that, like I, I'm going to take the Dolphins to two and a half points because I just, I don't believe that they will play their starters the entire game. And if they put Matt Barkley in the third quarter, the fourth quarter, I'm a little nervous. The Dolphins defense does cause a lot of turnovers. I think it's going to be a close game, especially with them fighting for their playoff lives and the Bills. Not that they're not playing for anything. They still need to get the two seed, but I think that, especially with Mason Rudolph playing for the Steelers, like if they if they lose that game, again, the Bills basically walk in as a two. I just don't believe and trust the Bills stars will play the whole game. I think it'll be a close one. I'll take the Dolphins. They need it more. They're more desperate team. Two and a half points, I will take it. Although, this is probably the one I feel least confident, to be honest. Like, I, I'm not feeling great. This could go either way, but... I'll take the if Dolphins in the, the points. Were playing, if the Dolphins were playing Fitz Magic, I'd pick Fitz. I would pick the Dolphins ten times out of ten. That Damn. guy is a stud. No belief that guy in is Tua. A stud. I, I think I think Tua is gonna work out. I just Fitz Magic is hot right now, man. He, he's got the hot hand. If they were playing him, I would absolutely pick the Dolphins. But well, good news for you, they're I'm, not. So that way we disagree. The, yeah, I'm going with the Bills. Glad you're picking the Dolphins. Feels good. All right, yeah, that is – anytime we disagree, I am happy for you, Brooks. I really <laughs> have. I don't want you to get dragged down in my misery. All right, finally, this is where moves get made. Upset specials, you get two points for an outright win, one point of your team coverage. You can really skyrocket the leaderboard here, Rooks. What is your upset special for Week 17? My upset special, I am picking the Atlanta Falcons over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ooh. I – the thing is, the Falcons have shown that they can win a half. You know, they've shown time and time again that they can be up 30 points in the first half. Now it's just a matter of holding on, and it's getting to the point. They've done it so many times now where it's just they can't keep doing this, right? You know what I mean? Like it's it's eventually. To the point now where it's like eventually they they're gonna stop this from happening. Um, I think this is the week they find, like, Matt Ryan will have this, he'll have one week every, like, four weeks where he throws, like, four or five touchdowns and looks insane. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Falcons on this one. 
I like that. And plus, too, the good news, silver lining if, for all those blown games. you got to have a big leader. you got to be in the game to blow the lead. So you, you're, exactly. getting, you're getting a big spread. That means it's going to be a close game for the Falcons. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I am going with the Falcons here. Rooks playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers. <laughs> I, my upset special, I picked this last night. I felt confident, and I don't like it now. I'm going to take – well, it's totally change it. I'll take the Steelers plus 10 against the Browns. Now, when I picked this game, it was just going to be Mason Rudolph sitting. Everyone else is going to play, and you know what? Maybe the Steelers, the rest of their team, is good enough to keep it close. But now, T.J. Watt, not going to play. Cam Hayward, yeah. not going to play. <laughs> One or two other it's guys, I forget. Good. It's not looking good. No. No, it is not. Every, anyone now, also Mike Tomlin's empty in the bench. Last, you know, the other day he said, oh, we're not going to, we're not going to, it's not a preseason game. We're going to play everybody except really Ben. And now all of a sudden the bench is starting to get emptied. So 10 points of like, Wow, that's a pretty big line for, you know, a team that's basically going to play everyone except Ben. And now all of a sudden, now you see why that line and now why Vegas knows. But I'll, I'll, I've, I've made the bet. I'll try to line it. Steelers plus 10. Maybe we'll get a close game. Maybe Mason Rudolph pissed off at how the last time he was in Cleveland went. Maybe, you know. <laughs> Harnesses, harnesses some motivation here and just takes it to Miles Garrett. Throws three touchdown guy, passes. Mason Rudolph stinks. He is bad, that isn't he? That guy stinks. And Mason, if you're listening, I apologize. I don't think you're a bad person. I, just, <laughs> I don't think you're very good at football. Bad guy, Rook's calling out guys. Don't call my quarterback. <laughs> I need him to play well. You know, Baltimore material. It's going to work for Ohio State. It's going to work for Mason Rudolph, right? Listen to that, Mason. This guy says you are a bad quarterback. <laughs> Go prove Preston, Rooksbury, Carmine's a second wrong. Go ball loud in Cleveland. Mason oh. Rudolph has his beat headphones on walking out of the stadium just <laughs> listening to that, that sound bite over and over and over again. Has a picture of your face in his locker. Just ready to go. <laughs> Oh, man. Thank you for the bolt and material, because that is going to get my upset special to not only cover, but to win. So to recap, we are both on Alabama minus 20. You're on Clemson minus 7.5. I'll take Ohio State. We're both on the Cardinals minus 3. Both on the Eagles plus 1.5. You're on the Bills. I'm on the Dolphins plus 2.5. Upset special, Falcons for Preston. I will take the Steelers at plus 10. P-Man, last show of 2020, last segment of 2020, by far, as sitting here looking at the clock at 11-12, by far the longest Hickey's Pickies in history. So no better way to close out the 2020 year than with you. Thanks for coming on, man. I'm glad our people finally got to, uh, got to make this happen. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. This, is, this has been great. You've been, P-Man, you've been great. Best of luck to your cards this weekend. You need help. My Colts need help. Fingers crossed we'll both be in the postseason. P-Man, have a great 2021. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. The great Preston Rooksbury Carmines the second. Rooksbury R-U-X-X-B-U-R-Y. Don't mess that up like yours truly just did. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Ryan Hickey Show. That's going to do it for this 2020 Ryan Hickey Show. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a great year. Um, I'm glad we got to introduce the Ryan Hickey Show and kind of bring it back to the airwaves this year. It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully you've enjoyed the show. We'll keep it going in 2021. Hopefully make it even better than 2020. So enjoy the new year. Stay safe, stay sane, and fingers crossed 2020 will be better for all of us. We'll talk to you in the new year on Monday, of course, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.